highest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Turn it on and rip the knob off. guys and welcome back to the wrestling memory grenade and i'll be knocking at your door with episode 84 here this week as we begin talking june 1987 tv here in the world wrestling federation and i am your host ray russell getting ready for another exciting edition here of the 1987 project in the wwf and reminder you guys can listen to the wrestling memory grenade in our sister shows like monday warfare the battles within and the brand new regional wrestling podcast where we talk the territories. All of those shows and more as part of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network located over at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met from Apple to Spotify, Google and beyond. You can also follow us on our social media accounts. You can follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like us at Facebook.com slash wrestling grenade you can follow me on social media for all the latest goings on at the wrestlecopia podcast network and i'm also constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history and make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel while you're at it guys and you can find us there at youtube.com slash wrestling grenade as i'm uploading new footage all the time as i continue to preserve my old vhs collection by converting it all to digital and if you don't know by now it's a great time to become a WrestleCopia patron. You can find us there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Again, the address, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Multiple tiers to choose from, but I only ask you guys to give it a try at that $5 all-access tier, and I'm asking you guys now, more than ever, help show your support to keep these shows up and going. And part of that $5 all-access tier, you'll receive all of my insanely detailed book-like show notes. Pages and pages of show notes, guys, covering the Wrestling Memory Grenade, Monday Warfare, and now the Regional Wrestling Podcast as well. You'll also receive early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia. You can listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. For example, guys, the last episode of the Grenade dropped 24 hours earlier over there on Patreon, as did our Monday Warfare show. And listen to this, the Regional Wrestling Show dropped five days early only for our patrons out there at the all access tier. So you guys will receive all of my insanely detailed show notes, early access to many of the shows. Also remastered versions of the earliest episodes of the grenade covering the 1989 NWA project includes enhanced sound quality and new content and conversations originally edited out of the initial broadcast due to time restraints edited right back into the shows. But that's not all. You'll also receive digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure. And of course, our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum videos, Saturday night's main events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more, plus random bonus drops, including the last seven days in a row, seven WrestleMania-themed videos, and other bonus goodies as well. And you get all of that 
for the low, low price of just $5 a month. It's early access, insanely detailed show notes to three of our podcasts, plus Patreon-exclusive watch-alongs, remastered episodes with new content, digital downloads, and so much more, all of that for just $5. No subscription, cancel anytime. Show your support. Give it a try for a month, and I think you'll like the content we offer. And as always, every penny of it goes right back into funding this, the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. So please show your support for all of my hard work and time and effort. If you have a few bucks laying around and you're looking to support another podcast out there, make it ours. I certainly put in the time, nearly 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I think we're in the middle of dropping seven shows over a 14-day span right now, guys. Think about that. That's a quality podcast show every other day for two straight weeks. So if you guys can, show your support. Please help this producer slash editor slash content creator slash host of multiple shows here on WrestleCopia. Please help me pay some of the bills and help keep that WrestleCopia podcast network up and running for the months and the years to come. And with all of that out of the way, it's time to dive back in to 1987 WWF TV. This week, we begin to tackle the month of June here in 87, and we're going to kick it all off with the WWF Superstars of Wrestling for June 6th. All right, and here we are, superstars for June the 6th, 1987, taped back May 12th at the Anaheim Convention Center, Anaheim, California. It's Vince McMahon, Jesse the Body Ventura, Bruno San Martino on commentary as we head to the ring. Demolition, Axe and Smash, Mr. Fuji in their corner, getting ready to take on the team of Jimmy Powers and Paul Roma. But didn't we just see this recently? Could have swore we just saw this match not too long ago. But we get an insert promo here as things get going from Powers and Roma stating that they asked for this rematch. Oh, well, there you go. The Demolition cheated last time out, and maybe the Stallions can't beat them, but the Demolition will at least know they've been in a fight this time. And you gotta admire the determination of Powers and Roma there, but admitting they'll likely fail doesn't do much for their case. And on commentary, Vince McMahon says that Demolition's tongues appear to be dipped in blood. As the action gets going early on, Axe misses an elbow drop, and Powers gets off a pair of dropkicks sending Axe down each time. Smash in next, but he catches a Jimmy Powers crossbody, but Paul Roma runs in and dropkicks Powers down on top of Smash, but the future Young Stallions barely getting a one count off of that. Then, from there, the Demolition working over Jimmy Powers, pummeling him in their corner until he's able to finally make the tag out to Paul Roma, who comes in a house of fire on both Axe and Smash before running into a left-arm clothesline from Axe out of nowhere in the corner. Axe going to score the win after a clothesline in 2 minutes and 53 seconds. So, last time out, the Stallions got, like, no offense in. This time, they fared a little better, needless to say. And I think what they were going for here, this is one of those old-school ways of building a young guy up. They keep losing, but they never quit. They have that determination deep down inside, so that when he, or they in this case, finally win a match, the crowd will explode. And it worked for the likes of Tommy Rich down in Georgia. Not going to work so much here for the Young Stallions. And people are probably asking, a clothesline? 
For the finish? Really, Ray? Well, to be fair, Axe, as the masked superstar, used that left arm clothesline as a finisher from time to time. Not that the WWF fans here at 87 should know that, but just adding some context there. And I have no idea why they didn't use the decapitation move here, other than they didn't want to pin him with the same finish twice. Nevertheless, Demolition 2-0 over Jimmy Powers and Paul Roma. As we move on with Update and Craig DeGeorge, he's going to talk about Haku and Tama, the Islanders, joining Bobby Heenan. Let's hear from the latest addition to the Heenan family. From the pages of the World Wrestling Federation magazine, here's Update with Craig DeGeorge. Hello, everyone. No question about it. Big surprise in the tag team division here in the World Wrestling Federation. As seen last week, Haku and Tama, the Islanders, beat the Can-Am connection in what was billed as a scientific match. It started out with handshakes, but this fair play duel quickly switched to foul play when an obnoxious manager got involved. Oh, look at that. I believe, gentlemen, you're seeing your new tag team. Well, the old distraction technique performed to perfection by Heenan at the expense of the up-and-coming Can-Am connection. And now, as head of the Islanders, time for yet another watch-out crusade from the weasel. The Heenan family is on a roll. Last week, the biggest team in professional wrestling, nobody could beat them. They thought they were indispensable, indestructible. The Can-Am connection. Well, now that I'm managing the Islanders, Haku and Toma, you saw what happened. The Can-Am were defeated, just like everybody else is going to be defeated, because Bobby the Brain Heenan is on a roll. The Heenan family is on a roll. Now that I got Haku and Toma, the Islanders, bring on the tag team champions of the world. We are ready for them and anybody else. I've done it again. <laughs> yes, he has, but as that neck brace proves, Heenan's actions have been costly in the past. That may be a point to remember. With Update, I'm Craig DeGeorge. All right, we saw a clip there of the Islanders turning on the Can-Am connection during a tag team matchup. And Bobby Heenan still mispronouncing his own man Tama's name as Toma. He was doing it before on commentary, and he wasn't sure if he was doing it on purpose or he just really didn't care. But now he's actually managing the guy and still referring to him as Toma. Let's see how long it takes for Bobby Heenan to catch on. It's taken Gorilla six months now, and he's still referring to Craig DeGeorge's Greg. Back to the ring, the Birdman, Coco Beware, scheduled to take on Tiger Chung Lee as we get an insert promo from Coco and Frankie the Bird shilling the WWF ice cream bar. Can birds eat ice cream? Well, apparently Frankie can. No shame here by Vince McMahon. On commentary, Jesse Ventura putting over Coco as electrifying the crowd. And he also digs his thread, so Ventura actually putting Coco over here a little bit. He likes his style, he can really light up a crowd, but it ends there for Jesse the Body. As the match gets going, Coco beware sticking and moving until Tiger Chung Lee connects with a cheap shot. Where though? Making the big comeback, and eventually it's a missile dropkick. But both men are out of position for the move. Tiger Chung Lee turns around too early, Coco in the middle of climbing the buckles. He has one foot on the middle rope, one foot on the top rope, and he just jumps, launches with the missile dropkick, one foot on each rope, it does connect. Looked a little sloppy, but got to give him the credit. And the Birdman going to pick up the win there in 2 minutes and 29 seconds as they're off to Mean Gene Oakland. He's standing by with a couple of members of Jimmy Hart's stable. It's Dangerous Danny Davis and the Honky Tonk Man. 
All right, I want to bring in a big part of the Hart Foundation. Actually, it's, it's the Jimmy Hart family <laughs> and friends. Jimmy Hart, you are on a roll right now in the World Wrestling Federation. You've got the tag team champions of the world, Brett the Hitman Hart and Jim the Anvil Nightheart. You know, they say when you're on top, you got to let it rock, and that's exactly what the foundation's doing. Dangerous Danny Davis, the honky-tonk man, and the world champions, the Hart Foundation, baby. You know, Danny Davis, I want to quiz you regarding an incident that took place in front of a national television audience recently on Saturday night's main event, to be specific. You blasted George the Animal Steel. You came out of nowhere and blasted him in the side of the head with a 20-pound steel belt. Don't deny it. I'm going to deny that accusation. Not guilty. That's not what happened. You just are going to just come right out and say, I didn't do it? I didn't do I've it. got the videotape. I know better. <laughs> I think you're wrong. You always come out here, and you always accuse someone in the Hot Foundation of stealing... Or doing something wrong in the ring. Who did I say stole anything in the Heart Foundation? I didn't say You've that. You've referred to the Heart Foundation in many different ways. I and see. I resent it. Jimmy Hart resents it. Honky Tonk resents it. And the Heart Foundation resents it. The only thing that I said recently was that when you were a referee, I got the feeling you might have been doing business. When I was a referee, I was the best referee there was. And now that I'm a wrestler... I'm going to be the best wrestler that can be. That's the, the, you, were the best, that. you were the best referee there, there ever was in the that's world. Right. That's right. Exactly. Why, that's why you got fired, right? I want you making sense. All right. Enough is enough. Thank you. Honky Tonk, welcome once again. Uh, you got to tune that guitar up sooner or later, that's pal. That's what I was trying to do when you was pecking me on the shoulder and was messing my song all up. Tell me about it. What's Tell me about the DDT now. Tell me that the final votes are coming down. The final votes are being counted. And you tell me, you tell the world that it's over. It's over for the DDT. Well, that decision is going to be announced very shortly by World Wrestling Federation President Jack Tunney. To the best of my knowledge, though, it doesn't look like the DDT is going to be banned. Oh, to the best of your knowledge. You tell him, Colonel. Tell him how many thousands and thousands of votes you found stuffed back in a filing cabinet in the... In the in the rear side of that big fat Jack Tunney's office. Yeah, that's what's been happening to the votes, but we've got to the bottom of it now. And I know that my friends, and I know that all of my fans of people that love the honky-tonk man, and thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for writing in. Thank you for calling in. And please keep the cards and letters coming because the final days are coming. The final day, the final countdown. To ban the DDT. It's all over. I know it's going to be over because those hundreds of thousands of cards and letters we found in the back room will be counted. I like that a lot. <laughs> all right, we know the Hart Foundation are the tag team champions. We know what's coming up for the Honky Tonk Man. Danny Davis kind of the odd man out, but he's playing up that asshole heel character pretty well still here at this point. But they're doing the Davis character no favors by the opponents that they've been picking for him. In a feud with George the Animal Steel? Yeah, that'll get you over. If your name's the Macho Man. Up next, it's a pre-recorded comment from WWF President Jack Tunney. Ladies and gentlemen, due to the overwhelming public response and the view of the board of directors of the World Wrestling Federation, the DDT will not be banned. Tunney announces that due to the outpour from the fans and after careful consideration with the board of directors, the WWF will not ban the DDT, regardless of the petition of Jimmy Hart and the Honky Tonk Man. So take that, Honky Tonk. Jake's finisher, the DDT, not banned here in the World Wrestling Federation. As we're back to the ring, more action. Kamala and Sika headed to the ring with manager Mr. Fuji, handler Kim Chi, taking on the team of C.V. and Don Adams. 
No, not that Don Adams of Inspector Gadget and Get Smart fame, but rather enhancement talent Don Adams here. And Afi going to try and slam Kamala early on, but fails miserably in his attempt. And Kamala with a leapfrog over Afi before landing a thrust kick to a pop from the fans. They really appreciate Kamala's athleticism. From there, it's Don Adams tagging in, and he gets worked over by both heels before the Samoan drop nearly breaks the arm of Adams. Got to tuck that arm in. And Kamala finishes it off with a big splash, scoring the win for the team in just one minute and 14 seconds. And post-match, Kamala back to the top rope again, trying for that top rope splash, but he has to be talked down by Kim Chi and Mr. Fuji, and that's getting a little monotonous. So let him hit the splash. Your heels, for fuck's sake. And so we've had our update. Now it's time for Special Report, also with Craig DeGeorge. And this one again on superstar Billy Graham. As we continue this series of special reports on Graham's return, the superstar training for a comeback, which the doctors have advised against. And we get another promo here from the superstar out in the desert, somewhere near his home, I would imagine, in Arizona. Billy Graham determined to get back in the WWF rings. As we do head back to the ring for more action, Ken Patera scheduled to take on Jimmy Jack Funk. As we get an insert promo here from Bobby the Brain Heenan, he's disgusted that the fans would cheer for an ex-con like Patera, but the Brain, he still plans to get even with the former Olympian. Then it's off to the action. Kenny Patera overpowers and works over Jimmy Jack Funk, including that big body toss. Remember, he likes to throw those guys across the ring. It's not a normal body slam. The only fun move in Patera's repertoire at this point in his career. But Jimmy Jack Funk comes battling back, landing a power slam in the old middle rope fist drop, a la Jerry Lawler. But he can't keep Patera down. Ken makes the comeback, delivering a clothesline right under the chin of the Funker. Nasty clothesline. And the bear hug is locked in as the crowd goes, eh, mild. Patera going to score the submission win here, 2 minutes and 27 seconds. And that's scary. That crowd reaction is a little scary for me. Because remember, Vince has lost Duggan, Steamboat, and Jake Roberts to a degree for the next several weeks to months. So Patera has somehow become the de facto number two babyface, for the short term anyway. Just a scary thought. And if you guys didn't have enough of Kenny Patera there, it's a double dose of the former Olympian. Now we're off to Mean Gene Oakland as he stands by for an interview with Ken Patera. All right, folks, here we go, Gene Oakland, along with the superstars of wrestling from the World Wrestling Federation, and one man that certainly has turned his life around 180 degrees. He had to pay his dues, there's no question about that. My guest from Portland, Oregon, former Olympic weightlifter Ken Patera, welcome. And certainly, Ken, you've had a, a very difficult trying two years plus. Yes, I did, Gene. You know, I uh, got into a, a little scrape uh, with some law enforcement officers. I'm not going to say they were right. I'm not going to say that I was wrong. But we'll just leave it at that. I wound up doing uh, uh, two years in uh, uh, Wisconsin State Penitentiary at Waupon. And um, like I say, I'm not proud of that, but I did pay my pound of flesh to society. I paid my dues. And uh, I like to say one thing that I said in the past, I'm proud to live in a country where if a man makes a mistake, he can pay his uh, debt to society and be a free man, leave it all behind him. I know there's a lot of countries in the world uh, that that, that, uh, that doesn't apply. You know, the one thing too that I think we, we should bring up just as a matter of course, and that would have to be your association in the past and the present with one Bobby the Brain Heenan. You know, when uh, the going got tough, 
Heenan took a hike. He told me that he's going to stand behind me 110% through thick or thin. But Heenan, when I turned around, you were nowhere in sight. And that's where the discrepancy started. You said that you would stay back me up. You would uh, stay in touch with me, stay in touch with my family. You didn't either. You just took a hike. When the, tough, uh, when the going got tough, you took a hike. Tough times don't last, but tough people do, Heenan. Or weasel, I should say. I thank you very much, Ken Patera. Certainly, he has got a bone to pick, a score to settle with Bobby the Brain Heenan. And the storyline continues. Ken Patera gunning for the entire Heenan family as we roll on with superstars. It's the Snake Pit. And Jake Roberts' guest this week, Outback Jack. Or in certain markets, it was actually Slick, Butch Reed, Nikolai Volkov, and the Iron Sheik. But because of Sheik's firing, they pulled that in as many markets as they could and replaced it here with good old Outback here on the Snake Pit. And when he's announced, Outback is actually initially booed by the crowd, at least some of them anyway, and it's a pretty bland and basic promo from Jack as he explains the origin of Irving, his crocodile on the back of his jacket. And I'm surprised they didn't play up the reptile bond here, the snakes, the crocodiles. And as the promo goes on, Jack obviously coming off like a good guy, a good bloke, says the competition is tough here in the WWF, but he plans to get the job done in the ring. No worries, mate. I'm Outback Jack. And in all actuality, Jack's quote-unquote push has already been abandoned here by this point in June. Even the idea of him teaming with Hillbilly Jim has also now been abandoned in favor of Hillbilly Jim being accompanied by Little Beaver. So Little Beaver getting more play here than Outback Jack. And right now, Jack's in the middle of a berry sandwich. That's B-U-R-Y. Because we saw Killer Khan choke him out the last time he got in the ring, and the killer will finish poor Jack off in their rematch here in just a few weeks' time. Then it's back to the ring tag team action, Terry Gibbs and the Raider, that mysterious masked Raider standing across the ring from the tag team of Tito Santana and Billy Jack Haynes. And we got a couple of buckwheat jokes earlier with Coco Beware. Ventura back here and all the way live with the Hispanic jokes for Tito Santana says his real name is Chico. He knew him way back when he sold enchiladas in Tijuana, and they weren't very good enchiladas at that. Ventura talking about Chico's Revenge. Got to get those in, eh, Jess? And as the match gets going, it is Santana with a flying head scissors on the Raider, leading to a four-way melee, and then the illegal man, Billy Jack Haynes, hooking the Raider in a full Nelson and scoring the win in just a minute and 42 seconds, but who cares because it's over. I should mention that Billy Jack never even tagged into the matchup. Just came in, locked on the full Nelson, and somehow got the win there for the tag team. And at some point, Haynes either did or said something to merit a D-push here in the WWF because he goes from a fairly hot semi-main event feud versus Hercules, and it just sort of gets dropped. And Billy Jack has been coming out here for the past couple of months, teaming with anything that breathes, it would seem, from Hillbilly Jim to Blackjack Mulligan. Random tag team match here with Tito Santana, and it doesn't even end there. Wait until next week. And speaking of Tito Santana, another guy also in the same boat as Billy Jack Haynes, just no direction whatsoever, for now anyway. And the WWF clearly has nothing for either man, but continue to keep them relevant out here in these random tag team and six-man tag team pairings. Santana, though, will soon have a lucky opportunity come his way. Wish I could say the same for old Billy Jack. And then post-match, we learn from Vince McMahon that next week, Intercontinental Champion Ricky the Dragon Steamboat will put his title on the line here, right here on Superstars, against the likes of the Honky Tonk Man. I'd rethink that if I were the Dragon. As we move on to yet another, it feels like the 10th 
Killer Con vignette. He's somewhere on a beach, scooping up hot rocks over a fire pit in his bare hands. Mr. Fuji doing more of the voiceover work there. Killer Con, evil, devil, monster, animal. Killer Con, all sorts of things, but apparently human is not one of them. We've got time for one more match here this week on Superstars, and it is Brutus the Barber Beefcake taking on Tim Patterson. And Patterson, kind of a bigger dude here for an enhancement talent, build at 273, and he has some pretty decent height on him. Just no definition. I'll pass, pal. And as the match gets going, we get an insert promo here from the barber, who is sadly still being forced to feud with the new Dream Team. And then it's to the ring for action. Tim Patterson fights it off, but it's sleeper hold time. As the barber puts him down in 2 minutes and 38 seconds, followed by some strutting and some cutting. Patterson's hair, that is. Beefer even pulling out a pair of clippers, giving Patterson a bit of a mohawk, and the fans are just eating this new gimmick up, this good guy brood eye, humiliating his opponents. Now they also use this beefcake matchup for Vince and Bruno to trash the honky-tonk man getting a title shot. They don't feel he's deserved. Meanwhile, Jesse Ventura supports it, naturally. More on that in just a minute, but first, we're off to Mean Gene Oakland, this time standing by... It's the Doctor of Style Slick. He's standing by with a couple members of his stable, Nikolai Volkov and the natural, Butchreed. Here's a guy that just never ceases to amaze me. He is the consummate manipulator. He is the Doctor of Style. He certainly is a fashion plate. I'll give you that, Slick. You're one of the best-dressed men I see these days in the World Wrestling Federation. And obviously, you pay a little, uh, little money for your, for your suits. Well, you know, Gene, I've always admired you of a man of integrity. Thank a man you. with first class. Thank you. Opinions of highly classed individuals like myself. <laughs> I don't kill a good thing here, pal. Oh, man, why don't you just knock it off, you know, because, you know, after all, Buster, you and I really don't get along that good, you know, cuz, right? What did you call me? Cuz. I thought you said If you Buster. don't like cuz, I say Holmes. Holmes. If you don't like that, then I talk about your missing hair. If you don't like that, then I slap you upside your head. And if you don't like that, what? we can take up his slack. Slick, slack. Oh, okay, very good. Yes, a couple of men that you manage here in the World Wrestling Federation. Obviously, Nikolai Volkov, and of course, the natural Butch Reed. I'm impressed with that natural blonde hair of his. To adequately describe these men, they are the very best of an elite group. The World Wrestling Federation possesses the greatest wrestling talent in the world today. But when you look at these men, you look at the best of the best. The natural Butch Reed, your comment. My comments, what do you want me to comment on, Mean Gene? Well, you yeah. want me to comment on your color-coordinated suit? Or you want me to co uh, comment on some of these old jive turkeys running around here that call themselves professional athletes? Somebody like Tito Santana. Somebody like that greasy, no-good, slimy junkyard dog. Or who else you want me to talk about? Kim Patel running around here jumping on managers. There's another one. All these big old clowns running around here like to jump on managers like Slick, Bobby Heenan, people with class, people with style, people with money. Well, let me tell you something. These men got backing. These men got money that filled my pocket. And when my money, when my pocket is filled with that green, baby, you know what happened? What's that? I get mean, baby. I get mean when I got green in my pocket. And that's what it takes. Tito Santana, you can't tell all you manage beating suckers. Get ready, boy, because me and the big Russian here got something for you. That's right, Nikolai. All right, with that, uh, Nikolai Volkov, welcome aboard. 
Well, I'd like to be glad to be here because I believe all American athletes should be proud that Nikola Vulkov is here and Russian government should send all American wrestlers medal because they make me lots of money than I invest in Russian war bonds. You buy war bonds with your money? Russian war bonds? Yes. I'd like to talk to your stockbroker. Very good. I thank you very much. Uh, the doctor of style slick, Nikolai Volkov, and the natural Butch Reed, they truly are superstars here in the World Wrestling Federation. Noticeably absent there was the Iron Sheik. Iron Sheik no more, and Nikolai Volkov, he didn't feel like much before, but even less of a threat now. I said it before, I said it last week. Luckily for Slick, the one-man gang came at just the right time. And as Superstars comes to a conclusion, we get closing promos for next week's feature match. It's IC champion Ricky Steamboat and the Honky Tonk Man. I told everyone that I would be the fighting champion. It didn't matter who came up first. Savage, it didn't matter. Honky Tonk, it just happened to be you, and I'll take you on here next week. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we will hear from the Honky Tonk Man, who is determined to wear the gold around his waist. Here now, the man from Memphis, Tennessee. I can't wait, Jimmy, next week. You know, I got all these sequins on my suit. I got this belt right here, but it's just not big enough. Next week, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the Honky Tonk Man, is going to have the Intercontinental belt around his waist. That's just what I need. I need more gold. I need something just a little bit bigger for the Honky Tonk Man, and I can play loud and clear. So next week, ladies and gentlemen, right here on the Superstars of Wrestling, one-on-one, the title matchup, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat squaring up against the Honky Tonk Man. Well, there it is. And coming out of WrestleMania 3, the WWF was just printing money. And I hate to keep harping on it, but it's scary to think that below Hulk Hogan at this point, they've lost essentially everything all at once on the babyface side. Everything they were building towards for the B-show main events, the C-show main events, that second tier of babyface talent. And they want Brutus Beefcake in that spot as well, but he's just not there yet. And it doesn't help that he's working with the new Dream Team. And when 1987 Ken Patera is your next man up, you're in a pretty shitty position. Now, thank God we know we've got the Savage turn coming. They called the Audible to bring Bigelow in as a babyface as well. Paul Orndorff going to go face. And eventually, the Ultimate Warrior going to work out here for the WWF as well. So all of these new hires and decisions definitely save the bottom from falling out here over the summer. And speaking of the summer, let's see where the World Wrestling Federation is headed. Could be to a town near you. It's the World Wrestling Federation on tour. It's the World Wrestling Federation on tour coming to these great areas and facilities with action. Friday, June 19th, Atlanta, Georgia, the Omni, the champion, Hulk Hogan, title defense of the Omni. Thursday, June 18th, Odessa, Texas, Hector County Coliseum. You'll see Nikolai Volkov in Odessa. Thursday, June 18th, Birmingham, Alabama, Boutwell Auditorium. Randy Macho Man Savage comes to Birmingham. Thursday, June 18th, Montgomery, Alabama, Garrett Coliseum. The Hurt Foundation will be in action in Montgomery. Wednesday, June 17th, Wichita Falls, Texas, Wichita Falls Auditorium. Tito Santana in action in Wichita Falls. Wednesday, June 17th, El Paso, Texas, El Paso Civic Center. The Honky Tonk Band will be in action in El Paso. Wednesday, June 17th, Huntsville, Alabama, Von Braun Civic Center. The Birdman Coco Beware, the British Bulldogs, among those in Huntsville. It's the World Wrestling Federation. Be a part of it when it comes to your area. Be a part of it when it comes to your area, guys, as we head off to June the 7th for another edition of WWF Wrestling Challenge.
All right, and here we are, Wrestling Challenge for June the 7th, tape back May 13th, San Diego, California, at the Sports Arena. It's Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan on commentary. Heenan still rocking the neck brace here, and we kick things off right away here this week, uncharacteristically, with a vignette. Yet another in a long line of killer con vignettes, with Mr. Fuji doing the talking yet again. The only good thing about this is all of these vignettes with Killer Khan, they're all like 15 seconds max, but they all seem different. He always seems to be in a different spot, a different place. And they're really trying to get the killer over as a threat to Hulk Hogan's title for the summer house shows. So the WWF putting in the effort, at the very least, as we head to the ring, it's the Honky Tonk Man, with Jimmy Hart in his corner taking on Jerry Allen. As Jimmy Hart brings a sign with him to the ring that reads, Ban the DDT! But pre-match, ring announcer Mel Phillips has a special announcement. He alerts the honky-tonk man Jimmy Hart and the fans in attendance that President Jack Tunney has made a ruling that due to the overwhelming public support, as well as the view of the public directors of the World Wrestling Federation, Jack Tunney has opted not to ban the DDT, sending the honky-tonk man and Jimmy Hart into a frenzy. What are the odds this announcement is made with honky-tonk man standing right there in the ring, as Mel Phillips basically read the same thing that Jack Tunney said on Superstars, only he did it without pausing. Good old one-take Tunney, huh? As Honky Tonk Man visibly frustrated at the announcement of the DDT not being banned, Jerry Allen uses the distraction to attack and deliver a dropkick to the Honky Tonk Man. Allen then tries for a second one, but it doesn't work this time. Honky Tonk Man holding out of the ropes to dodge the move, thus taking over control. And eventually, Honky Tonk with the sit-out clothesline and the shake, rattle, and roll neckbreaker. And Honky actually gets up from the pinfall at the two count, but the referee counting three anyway. Honky Tonk Man going to get the win in one minute and 53 seconds. And post-match, we see the Honky Tonk Man doing his thing for the beautiful audience out there, but promises to go recount the votes. As Bobby Heenan on commentary says that Honky Tonk Man was jobbed. You heard me right. Honky Tonk Man jobbed by WWF President Jack Tunney. He says it more than once. I always love whenever Bobby Heenan threw around the term jobbed. I want to touch on Jimmy Hart for just a minute here. And after Earthquake, I felt it was all downhill for the Jimmy Hart character, but he's got some great gimmicks and talent to work with here in the late 80s. Of course, the Hart Foundation, tremendous wrestlers. And the Honky Tonk Man, he's a heat magnet right now. And hell, even that smug-ass Danny Davis still has his heel heat here in the summer of 87. But I've never seen someone become so hated so quickly as much as the Honky Tonk Man. The crowd absolutely loathes him. And it's been said the WWF never intended on the Honky Tonk Man gimmick getting this over. But they clearly realize it and they run with it. And kudos to them for that. As it's time for Wrestler's Rebuttal with Craig DeGeorge. He's going to talk to the WWF Tag Team Champion Heart Foundation. And I thought it was fun here as DeGeorge is standing in the future Event Center studio. I believe they call that Edit One. Of course, that studio would become more commonplace for Sean Mooney later here in 1988. But here in this promo, the Hart Foundation deny the rumors of them being closet champions. They hide from no one. They offer to defend the belts anywhere, anytime. They even begin a We Are Not Afraid chant as they leave the segment. We are not afraid. We are not afraid. And I got to say, the Heel Heart Foundation were just so good at what they did. As we move on with Challenge, we get a replay from superstars of the Islanders turning heel in a matchup against the Can-Am Connection, joining Bobby the Brain Heenan's family. And when we get back to Challenge, 
we see a laughing Bobby the Brain Heenan sitting next to a disgusted Gorilla Monsoon as we're off to yet another promo. We've already heard from him once here on this edition of The Grenade. We're going to hear from him again. I don't know that it's going to get any better, but it's Mean Gene standing by with Ken Patera. All right, Gene Okerlund reminding you that we're going to get you back up into the ring for more exciting World Wrestling Federation action in just a moment or two. He is back in the fold of the World Wrestling Federation. I'm talking about strongman Ken Patera from Portland, Oregon. Of course, uh, Ken, you competed at the Olympic level. Let's go back to the beginning. I believe it's the high school, the collegiate level at Brigham Young University, and also at the Olympic level in 1972 at the Games in Munich. That's right. You know, uh, competing as an amateur for many, many years gave me a tremendous background in all sports. You know, whether it be football, track and field, wrestling, uh, weightlifting, of course, uh, you know, to build the strength that it takes to become a professional athlete, especially professional wrestling. When you... You know, isolate all the different athletes in each profession, each given profession. You always have big, strong people. But to become a professional wrestler, you not only have to be big and strong, you have to be very witty, very canny. And that's when I come to the weasel. The weasel, I'm not going to degrade you right now, because I'm going to kind of build you up a little bit. You are an intelligent man. You're a very wise man. But on top of that, you're a very sneaky, treacherous, malicious person. You can call me all the names you want to call me. I don't care. That doesn't hurt me. But what really hurts is when you start calling my children and my wife, my entire family. When you start referring to them as not in those kids and calling my wife other types of names, that's when things get a little nasty. And when I put that uh, belt around your neck and flung you across the ring and jerked it, I heard a little snap, crackle, and pop. Unfortunately, I didn't decapitate you exactly what I wanted to do. That might sound a little crass, a little rude, Maybe just a little downright nasty. But that's what it's all about. When the going gets rough, the tough get going, and you're not one of those. I thank you very much. He is strong man, Ken Patera, big part of the World Wrestling Federation. And it only took about a month, but Ken Patera finally addressing what Bobby Heenan said about his wife and kids way back at the debate. Again, that was about a month ago. Maybe he went back and watched the tape. And Patera continuing to vow revenge, but as usual, very monotone in his delivery. Patera feels like he's just reading from cue cards. Just no emotion behind any of his words. And then it's back to the ring to see a Heenan family member in action, Hercules, with Bobby Heenan in his corner, taking on Jerry Monty. As luscious Johnny V going to join for commentary here, we get an insert promo from the mighty Hercules. And all of this seems pointless because we go right into the finish almost immediately as Hercules locks in the full Nelson, going to score the win in just 30 seconds. We barely had time for the insert promo. Johnny V barely had time to say anything on commentary, and this matchup is already over. Speaking of over, Jerry Monty's time as a worker clearly nearing the end. He doesn't even want to bump. Hercules delivers a clothesline. Monty will take the bump. He does bump, and he makes the moves look awful. And that's no discredit to Monty, who had a fun career, mostly over on the West Coast, but at this point, it's time to pack it in. And I talked about it on Superstars. And it's even more obvious here, not a single mention of Billy Jack Haynes or the feud here in this Hercules squash. Clearly the WWF moving on from that feud, which is odd because both men continue to use the same finisher. But I've got another soundbite lined up for you guys. Mean Gene Oakland standing by this time with Jimmy Powers and Paul Roma. All right, stay tuned. We're going to get you back up into the ring for more exciting World Wrestling Federation action. A lot of things happening these days here at the World Wrestling Federation in terms of tag teams. You see a 
A lot of new tag teams come along, and one of the most promising has got to be the team of, to my right, Jimmy Powers, and to my left, Paul Roma, both from the New York City area. And Paul, I'll tell you what, this, this tag team situation here in the World Wrestling Federation is something else. You've got the Can-Am connection, the British Bulldogs. You've got the, the Hart Foundation. You've got the Dream Team. You've got the Rajos. So many great teams, it's just tough to believe. Yeah, you know, they, they're all the best here in the World Wrestling Federation. And we're a young team. We're up and coming. And we're hoping that the people will stay behind us. And, you know, well, we have everything to gain by beating these, these top teams. And uh, we're going to show the people that we've been working real hard. You know, Jimmy, ultimately, I'm sure Paul and yourself would like to get a shot at the Hart Foundation more than that. What they represent, the World Tag Team Championship belt. Like you said earlier, Gene, the World Wrestling Federation is full with the top tag teams in the world. And we're just looking to get our chance to make a break and to get a championship shot. So maybe eventually someday we'll have the World Championship belts around our way. You know, I'm very curious, Paul, do Jim and yourself have an opportunity during the course of the week? I know you've got a very busy, busy schedule, very hectic. But do you have an opportunity to work out together, to get that timing down? Well, you know, like you said, it is a very hectic schedule, but yeah, we get, you know, we get a chance, uh, now and then. Most of the time we're spending is in the gym, you know? I mean, there's big guys in this federation and, uh, we gotta stay our best. Jimmy, uh, Paul and yourself uh, do a lot of traveling and I think if I recall, you do it all together. Oh yeah, we're constantly together, Jim. Wherever you see Paul, you see me. In the gym, in the ring, we always stay together. All right, keep your eye on them. A couple of bright ones on the horizon. They are Jimmy Powers and Paul Roma, a great tag team, great, great tag team in the World Wrestling Federation. And I'm not sure if they were given this direction. I'd have to imagine so, but there's a difference between being humble and doubting yourself, and the Stallions clearly need the ego boost. Then it's back to the ring. George the Animal Steel going to take on Rudy Ryder, formerly known as Buddy Ryder, on previous week's episodes of TV. So the job guy had a bit of a name change here as we get a clip from Saturday night's main event of Dangerous Danny Davis costing George Steele the Lumberjack match versus the Macho Man. Davis, of course, clocking George Steele with the ring bell. And we even get an insert promo here from Dangerous Danny. He says he's not afraid of man nor beast. He also points out that most animals have tails. And Danny Davis just might kick Steele's tail. As an asshole smirk closes the promo there from Davis. And screw Hercules versus Billy Jack Haynes, because George Steele versus Danny Davis. That's our feud now, people. Then it's off to the action. The animal tosses Ryder and eats some turnbuckle to begin things here. But Ryder returns mid-meal, disturbing the animal, and gets some stuffing for his troubles. And it takes two tries for the animal to get Ryder up in the air, but it's the flying hammerlock. Gonna get the win here in 41 seconds before Steele tackles and gropes the referee Jack Kruger who finally escapes and bails out of the ring. Lucky the animal wasn't disqualified for playing with the referee, but George Steele going to pick up a quick win here this week, doing next to nothing. As we're off now to a very important PSA from who else but Jake the Snake Roberts. You know, there's some things in life that you can do and have fun with, but there's a lot of things in life that you shouldn't do, such as drinking and driving, smoking cigarettes, that ain't no good for you, <laughs> cheating on your wife, or just getting caught, <laughs> maybe. But you know something? I'm Jake the Snake Roberts, and I might play around with snakes, and I might play around with a lot of things. One thing I'd never play around with is drugs. I'm able to stand up and be a man on my own and say, no, I don't need that to have a good time. I got better ways and live longer. All right, and the Snake Man, shunning, drinking, and driving, smoking cigarettes, and even cheating on your wife, 
or at least getting caught. Love how Roberts slid that in there for a baby face, nonetheless. But most of all, people, don't do drugs. You'll live longer. Or in his case, you can do drugs and still live longer. I'm just having some fun, guys. But seriously, at the end of the day, Jake Roberts, the man telling you not to drink, not to smoke, don't do drugs. But it's okay to cheat on your wife as long as you don't get caught. Babyface Jake Roberts, ladies and gentlemen. All right, last week we saw the devastation from this man and Slick, tell us about this fine. You know, I'm glad that you use the word devastating because that's exactly to the T that fits the big 747 right here. This man is so mean and so ferocious that he got up this morning and slapped himself a couple of times. He's so mean, I'm even scared of him. You understand what I'm talking about, Daddy? Uh, yeah, what about this move that uh, you, you got to, what is that name? Well, you know, you can thank me yeah. for that. I'm responsible yeah. for it. it. I told him to utilize his size, baby, and he climbed to that sucker turnbuckle and grabbed the man by the back of his head. And him down to the floor, you call it the master blaster. <laughs> well, you know, let me tell you something. There's gonna be a lot of hospital bills, you, because my hobby is beating people up. When I get up in the morning, that's all I have on this brain is to beat somebody up. So whoever gets in the ring with me, you better be ready for the beating of your life. <laughs> And it's back to the ring. Tag team action sees the new dream team of Dino Bravo and Greg Valentine accompanied by luscious Johnny V taking on the team of Paul Roma and Jim Powers. Let's see if they fare better here against the dream team. Of course, they did the job on superstars to demolition as we get an insert promo to kick things off from the Rougeau brothers, who, much like Beefcake, are still coming for the new dream team. At this point, I have to ask, how does the blandest tag team in all the land, the new dream team, have two feuds. I wrote, sigh. And as the match gets going, Roma looks good early on with a hip toss and dropkick on Dino Bravo, sending him to the floor. But that's about it before the heels pick him apart after Bravo counters a monkey flip out of the corner into an inverted atomic drop. And as the offense continues here by the heel tag team, Dino Bravo at one point jumping off the bottom rope with a punch. I wrote, ugh. Jimmy Powers finally getting tagged into the matchup, and he goes to work on both of the dreams, but Johnny V up on the apron to distract the referee. Jimmy Powers going for a reverse roll-up on Greg Valentine, but as they run into the ropes, Powers running into a clothesline from Dino Bravo from the apron. Down goes Powers. Valentine dropping the big elbow. Going to finish Powers off here in 4 minutes and 21 seconds. And the team of Roma and Powers have been trying to show a little something here as of late but they picked the wrong team here on Challenge to look good against. I don't know that anybody has looked good against the Dream Team yet, much less an up-and-coming tag team, as both Valentine and Bravo move and bump in slow motion, which just ruined Jimmy Powers' hot tag here. He was trying to hit Moose fast and in succession, and he kept turning around and had to wait and wait and wait for his opponents to get in position for the next move. And as for the Dream Team, the new Dream Team, they don't even necessarily wrestle as a team. Just two singles guys doing their own thing who happen to make tags every once in a while. Oh, sorry. New Dream Team. Get the win. As we're off to a replay of special report regarding Superstar Graham's potential return to the ring. And then it's back to the ring for the Macho Man Randy Savage. Miss Elizabeth in his corner taking on Billy Anderson as the still-upset Savage over losing that Intercontinental title. Get over it, Mach. 
Randy Savage going to take control here, sending Billy Anderson outside and a flying double axe handle off the top rope out to the floor. Then back in the ring, Savage going for multiple covers here, pinning Billy Anderson, but picking him up at the two count. I'd say he does it at least four times in this match and yet somehow is not disqualified. Finally, though, it's the Macho Man with a gut wrench suplex and a flying elbow drop. Puts his foot on the chest of Anderson to pick up the win here in 2 minutes and 31 seconds. And as we come to the end of this edition of Wrestling Challenge, they too sell the Intercontinental title match between Ricky Steamboat and the Honky Tonk Man as if it's exclusive to Challenge here next week as well. Monsoon and Heenan selling the match big as it will air on both shows on the same weekend. Now usually it's customary for Wrestling Challenge to show something that happens on Superstars the following week, but this is so important and they need to get with it as fast as they can so that it makes sense on the house shows. So here next week on Superstars and Wrestling Challenge, it's the IC title match between the champion Ricky Steamboat and challenger the Honky Tonk Man as we hear from both sides yet again. Honky Tonk Man, pride of the South. You and the Colonel want a shot at the title. That's the goal. Well, come on down here next week. You'll find that the grass is not always greener on my side of the fence. I, I, I knew you people would come through for me. I knew you would. I knew you loved the honky tonk man, and it's finally going to happen now. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, I've got my chance at you, and I know the people behind me 100%. I can't lose. That belt's going to go around my waist. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. I know you love me. I know you've loved me 100%. Thanks for all your support, and thank you very much. All right, and we're just a week away from that big championship encounter. But for now, we move on. Hey, here's a rare sighting from All-American, an All-American exclusive for June the 14th. Tape back June the 3rd, Rochester, New York. It's Hillbilly Jim, now with Little Beaver in his corner, scoring a victory over Iron Mike Sharp in about seven minutes after hitting Sharp with his own loaded forearm band. And all of that was made possible after the distraction of Little Beaver. So Little Beaver coming into play there, and Hillbilly Jim already moving away from that Potential tag team with Outback Jack. They built it up for a few weeks. We got a match or two from them. And then Outback Jack down to the bottom of the card. Hillbilly Jim being gifted, if you want to call it that. Little Beaver is his new corner man. I dare say Vince McMahon will refer to him as a mascot. As we move on to WWE Primetime Wrestling for June the 8th, 1987. Hosted once again this week by Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan, we're off to the introduction and banter from this week's edition of Primetime. I'm Gorilla Monsoon. And I'm your host, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Primetime Wrestling, where we feature the superstars of the World Wrestling Federation. Don't you feel a little bit undressed this week, Brain? I don't, I don't see Lance around anywhere, your uh, attorney at large. Is he still at large? Um, sort of left here in a hurry last week. Well, it's none of your business or anybody else's business, but he had a, a personal family uh, emergency that came up that I'm not at liberty a, to go into. Has a back problem as well. The big yellow streak. 
stripe running right down the middle. And well, I don't have a lot of guys that you associate. I don't with. have to go into that. You starting off the program right away by yeah, knocking well, me. Yeah, well, might as well. Why not? Might as well do it now. Sure, get it over with. <laughs> Still got the horse collar on. How much longer are you going to have that? <clears throat> My physician says I uh, must continue to wear this. Did you tell him what I told you might be happening? You might be cutting the circulation of blood to your brain. No, um, you don't have to worry about my brain. My brain acts like that. Got some great matches lined up here this week on Primetime Wrestling. Going to be taking a look at Outback Jack and, uh, of course, our feature, uh, the honky-tonk man, a guy with probably the least amount of musical ability I know not right now in the World Wrestling Federation. You know, the other day I had to go to Memphis, Tennessee, and I had to do a couple interviews there, and Graceland, Elvis Presley's home is right there, yeah, and they have tours that. that go through there. Right. And one of the security guards asked me, they said, have you seen the honky-tonk man? Please. I said, what do you mean? He says, everybody seems to be coming here. They want to see him. Get out of my face with that garbage. Right now, let's go to our opening match. The ace against... And Gorilla Monsoon having some fun there. Bringing up Lance Wilshire again. He calls him the attorney at large. I love that one. Heenan claiming that Wilshire had a personal family emergency and had to take off last week. Bob Heenan also stating that he's been advised by his physicians to continue to wear the neck brace until further notice. Going to milk that thing for everything he can. As we roll on here with prime time, there's a special guest visitor in the studio in the form of the Birdman. Coco beware, and he's not alone. He's brought Frankie along with him. Oh, listen to that music. That's one guy's music and one guy. I'm talking about Coco beware. Welcome to Primetime Wrestling. All right, thank you. Glad to be here. It's a pleasure for you to be here. Frankie, how are you? Oh, he feels good. Oh, great. Yeah. Take a look. This is the uh, guy and the bird that you've been making so many derogatory remarks about. I, I never said a word about Frankie, him or the bird. Look here, Frankie. That's your first cousin. Frankie, hey, he loves wimps. And he loves weasels. weasels. Like, oh. oh, yeah, weasels. Who do you think you are coming on my television show here and insulting me in front of millions of people? You weren't invited this by me. This is not your television He's show. He's a standing invitation That's... for me to come here at any time. Oh, you couldn't get Ken Patera or the other jailbird, so you picked up any bird you could find on the <laughs> please, street, right? Please, give me I guess a, a bird to use a bird. It doesn't Both, matter what kind of Lots of exciting things going on right now in the World Wrestling Federation, this. and I think that uh, you've got a tremendous feud going with that Danny Davis. Yes. I don't well, know he called himself call him. Dangerous Danny Davis. Dangerous. Well, I guess so. You know, he's behind the Heart Foundation and everything like that. But, you know, you got to give Danny credit for it because he is a he's beginning to make a name for himself in the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, but I think Danny Davis has to go a long don't way put to me get on by hold. somebody like you, though. Coach. Well, I'm telling you, he knows that he's paying his dues every time he steps in the ring with the Birdman. Because you're always in great shape. And That's you're right. Always, I feel good. Well, you're electrifying. Be you're exciting. What's wrong with this guy here? Coke, thanks for coming. Really, why don't you? Yeah. Give me a little special invitation. Oh, I hey, love it. Hey, yes. I'm allergic to birds. Get that thing off me. I love it. Get that thing off me. Let's go. All right, that sound bite could use more of a visual effect rather than a sound bite. But I had to play it anyway. Some fun stuff there. Gorilla talking with Coco Beware. Bobby Heenan trying to ignore the two on the phone, but Frankie squawking right in his ear. Coco, though, talking his issues with. Danny Davis here on primetime, which is a little bit odd because they didn't really have much of a feud going, and we already know that Danny Davis now moving into a feud with George the Animal Steel, but Coco needs something to talk about and must have been in Titan Tower for some reason, and they decided to have him drop by here on the primetime set. So you never know what's going to happen here on primetime. Last week it was Lance Wilshire. This week, the Birdman stops by. 
As the conversations go on here, Gorilla and Bobby going to talk a little bit about Outback Jack. Gorilla also questioning the brain as to the whereabouts of the missing in action, Mr. Wonderful. Outback Jack continuing his winning ways here in the World Wrestling Federation. And whether you like the guy or not, uh, he possesses uh, quite a bit of talent. I understand he used to be a mugger in Melbourne. Please. To hit people from behind Please. when they walk by old doorways and anywhere stuff. Anywhere near Melbourne. He comes from Humpty Doo, Australia. Oh, that's right. The bubbling metropolis of Humpty Doo. Well, City limit yeah. signs are on the same post there, I understand. You always have something derogatory to say no, about No, it's a nice except town. Except guys like Benedict Arnold and... Mr. And Wonderful. The, yeah. I know what you're referring to. Yeah, where's he been? He's been on kind of a hiatus. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm asking you. Where's he been? Well, I don't book all my people and my family day in and day out. Well, he you're, the, you're his manager. Off. That's right. He wants six months off. I give it to him. He wants to go bowling, wants to relax, wants to do whatever he wants to do. He can guy's do it. hurt, right? He's not hurt. There's nothing wrong with nothing him. Nothing wrong with him? Not a thing wrong you with sure? him. sure? I'm positive. I'm hurt. Yeah, that's obvious. Mentally and physically, you're a little disabled, I'm say not. the least. And if you know, you know, Bobby Heenan slyly throwing in that if Orndorff wants six months off, he gets six months off. If he wants to go bowling, he can do that too. Of course, the joke being, remember, when Orndorff had to take the time off, he saw that his wrestling future was likely in jeopardy. So the first thing he did was he went out and invested in purchasing a bowling alley, of all things. Back near his home, Paul Orndorff been running a bowling alley in his time off here from the WWF, so Bobby Heenan kind of throwing that in. A bit of an inside joke there. And as we grow near the end of this edition of Primetime, Gorilla Monsoon going to talk about a free WWF calendar you guys can win as we say goodbye here this week on Primetime. We also learned that the program will be undergoing a date change for next week. Well, folks, that wraps it up for another week here on Primetime Wrestling. As usual, we had some tremendous matches, and uh, next week will be no exception. We'll have some more. Uh, right now, I want to take this opportunity and time to remind everybody about our Primetime calendar offer. You fill out a little postcard with your return address on it and send it to Primetime Calendar Off, P.O. Box 3864, Stamford, Connecticut, 0905. 06905. 06905. I have to do everything. Well, you just did that purposely to see if I was paying, paying attention. attention. You never pay attention. Once free again, calendar. It is a free calendar. But, and uh, what we're going to do is, after a couple of weeks, we're going to pick a uh, hundred of the postcards at random. humanoids will have a calendar. You think they calendar. care what day it is or what month it is? They don't know what's going on. Let me wrap it up now. You've blown the zip code. Now I'll wrap it up. Go ahead. You, well, you, another evening of prime time has gone by. Now, next Monday night, we'll all be here again. No, we won't. For we're not on Monday night next week. We're on Wednesday night next week. No one told me that. <laughs> what if I'd have showed up here Monday night and sat here in a dark room? That'd have been fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would have been in my fun condition. For you. It's next Wednesday night. Next Wednesday we'll be on. Yes. Now, I knew that. I just wanted to see uh, if you okay. were aware of it. What's going to be on Monday? Um, badminton. Yeah, tennis. See Same y'all. thing. Next Wednesday night. See, you try to make a fool out of me. It's not hard. Okay, and Monsoon clearly missing a number in the zip code there, and Bobby Heenan having some fun there at the gorilla's expense. And Primetime Wrestling will be back next week, but it won't be on Monday night. Nope, next week it's Wednesday night. The USA Network going to air a little tennis on Monday, so Primetime for one week only, moving to Wednesday, June the 17th. And as we conclude this edition of Primetime Wrestling, I should also mention a Primetime exclusive shown here. As we see Sam Houston going over on Iron Mike Sharp at the Bulldog in just about five minutes' time, this was taped back on the May 16th Sam Houston Coliseum show for Paul Bosch. And that's going to wrap it up for this week here 
and the World Wrestling Federation as we move on to a whole new week of TV. It's WWF Superstars for June the 13th. Tape back June the 2nd. New set of tapings. Buffalo, New York at the Memorial Auditorium. It's Vince McMahon, Jesse the Body Ventura, and of course Bruno San Martino on commentary. And on today's program, big Intercontinental Championship matchup coming up. Champion Ricky Steamboat taking on the Honky Tonk Man. We're also going to see the return of the Junkyard Dog. And Jesse Ventura wants us all to know, out of the goodness of his heart, that we will see footage of the body from his new film with that guy Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ventura referring to the movie as The Predator. And we're off to the ring tag team action. The British Bulldogs, Davey Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid with Matilda in their corner, taking on the team of Johnny K-9 and Dusty Wolf as we get an insert promo here. Well, you, I guess you can call it a promo. They don't really speak. It's the Bulldogs petting Matilda. Matilda seems to be getting more TV time as of late than the Bulldogs tag team. And as the match gets going, K-9 takes a bump through the ropes after running under a Davy Boy leapfrog, though it seemed unintentional as the top rope appears a little looser. Something funny going on there. It looked like K-9 lost his balance and kind of fell through the ropes to the floor as the Bulldogs then take over, working over both K-9 and Dusty Wolf before it's Davy Boy Smith off the top rope with a diving headbutt on Wolf. Going to get the Bulldogs to win in 2 minutes and 11 seconds. And I'm happy the Bulldogs are out here, but knowing what I know, it's cringeworthy watching Dynamite try to quote-unquote prove himself by working a regular schedule again. His delivery still isn't pretty in the ring either, very stiff, and it's barely been six months since he broke his back, but he's doing a little more every time he's out here. Now as for Davy Boy Smith, this week he's relegated to doing the diving headbutt seemingly for the Dynamite Kid who can no longer do it, at least not at this point. Davy Boy Smith using Dynamite's finisher to pick up the win here for the Bulldogs as we're off to yet another update with Craig DeGeorge standing by in the Future Events Center as we get even more info on the progress of superstar Billy Graham. Hi again, everyone. Over the last few weeks, we've been detailing superstar Billy Graham's comeback attempt after that serious hip operation. Now, the superstar is shocking everybody with his quick recovery. And let me tell you something, in no small way, his return home has helped immensely. Just being in that Arizona air, working in the 100-degree heat in the mountains, well, that return home may be his best therapy to date. I've got to get back. I've got to hear the roar of the crowd. i got to feel the pandemonium. It's in my blood. I had to come back here to my roots, to where you got to survive. Superstar Billy Graham Superstar. out here with the snakes, the scorpions, the heat, and the desolation. The superstar has been recovering quite well, but it has been an excruciatingly painful experience for him. Billy Graham is a driven man, and even in the face of this tragically career-ending injury, he has pushed his therapy to limits that an ordinary individual could never endure. Of course, Billy Graham is no ordinary individual, nor is he even an ordinary athlete. He is one of a very rare breed in the most elite class of athletes, a former world heavyweight champion. That title, of course, only comes to those who are blessed by nature with uncanny strength and determination. However, his apparent abundance of determination has his physicians concerned because too much activity, quite frankly, could be very dangerous. And they say a return to the ring is impossible. But for an athlete like Billy Graham, who has been pushing his limits to achieve his goals all of his life, it's hard to bet against the guy, even though it may look like he's trying to beat a royal flush. But comeback or not, we all must applaud his purpose, his struggle, and perseverance to get back to the squared circle. And yes, superstar Billy Graham insists that he will be back.
and I'm not sure if I lost count here, but I think this makes the fourth week of updates for those counting here in regards to the story of Billy Graham's recovery and potential return to the ring. Now, the doctors continue to deter Graham from returning to the ring, but he continues to work out as the determined Graham prepares for that in-ring return. We even see clips here of Graham when he was the WWF champion. We also see him working out those legs in rehab. So we'll have to see how all of this goes. Is Billy Graham another week closer to returning to the ring? And it's at this point in the show that Outback Jack is shown plugging the WWF ice cream bars. Careful, Outback. Don't eat it too fast. You want to watch out for that ice cream headache. No worries, mate. I'm Outback Jack. And just as I started to type my own joke here, Jesse Ventura beats me to the punch talking about Outback Jack's lack of teeth while trying to bite into that ice cream bar. Because, of course, Jesse would notice that. That it's back to the ring. Eric Cooper and Special Delivery Jones going to take on the brand new Heenan family team of Haku and Tama, the Islanders. And, of course, they're accompanied to the ring by Bobby Heenan. And what's that on Haku's face? Is that stubble? A five o'clock shadow means that Haku is growing that familiar heel beard that he'll have for the remainder of his career. As we get an insert promo here from the Can-Am Connection, who say they are coming for revenge. Then it's off to the action. Special Delivery Jones slamming Tama early on, but the Islanders take over and beat down both of their opponents. Haku with a nasty thrust kick on Cooper, and Tama following that up with a side slam before SD Jones has seen enough of the double-teaming of the Islanders and comes in to rescue Cooper, but Jones eventually getting backdropped over the top rope by Tama and out to the floor. Haku then picking Cooper up into the air and dropping him, dumping him down onto the knee of Tama in a gut buster. The crowd really ooing for that move before it's stereo jumping, diving headbutts by both of the Islanders on Cooper. Haku going to score the win here for his team in two minutes and 34 seconds. And it's like an overnight change here for the Islanders who got themselves a manager and some personality. Their confidence really shows here. Their aggressiveness and intensity is believable. And Tama really has some great natural heel charisma. Haku, he'll just kill you. As we're now off to Mean Gene Oakland, standing by with the outlaw Ron Bass, who appears to have a friend with him. All right, stay tuned for more exciting World Wrestling Federation action. By the way, I want to bring in at this time, good gravy. What do you want to bring in, Gene, huh? Uh, Ron what do you Bass. want to bring in? You know, first you show up with that cockamamie branding iron, and now you show up with a whip. What are you going to come up with next? I keep you guessing, don't I mean, Gene? That's exactly what I want to do. I want you people out there to keep thinking what the big outlaw is going to come up with next. Because, you know, when you look around, you see all kinds of different wrestlers coming to the ring. They've either got a manager, they've either got tag team partners, or they've got these goofy people on their side out there. And, you know, the big outlaw was trying to come in there to disadvantage. So I'm not going to be doing things like that. I always do come in there, even or above. So I went out and I solicited the aid of Miss Betsy. And this big old fat Jack Tunney, he's already said, yo, bring it on, baby. There ain't nothing nobody can do to stop it, Gene. Hold the phone here just a second. In all due respect, Ron Bass, you have really been asserting yourself within the ranks of the World Wrestling Federation. But if you think for a minute you're going to be able to bring that whip, Old Betsy, you call her, whatever it is, into the ring. You Show got some it. respect when you start talking about something personal like that. You understand me, Gene? Or you just might be feeling the pleasure of Miss Betsy. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah, I'm going to be bringing it to the ring. 
and the people like Mr. Hulk Hogan, Ricky Steamboat, or any of those so-called goody-goody guys out there, you know, they got that real lily white skin up and down their back. Can you imagine Mean Gene when you lay Miss Betsy up against the back? Just what it's going to do to it. It's going to split them from one end to the other. So people, when you see the big outlaw, you know Miss Betsy's going to be with him, and things are going to get bad, things are going to get mean, and there's going to be some changes I'll be looking for you. First, the Pratty Iron, now Miss Betsy, the whip for Outlaw Rod Bass. I don't think that's going to fly here in the World Wrestling Federation. Okay, and the Outlaw talking the other wrestlers who have partners and managers and whatnot. So he didn't want to be in a disadvantage out there in the ring. What does Bass do? He debuts his latest foreign object, Betsy, the bullwhip. So after never even bringing it to the ring, Bass trades in his branding iron for Betsy, the bullwhip. It's kind of a shame we never got to see the branding iron come into play. But Betsy, she'll make her rounds. And then, courtesy of 20th Century Fox, no wait, he says it's courtesy of Jesse the Body Ventura, we get a clip of The Predator, starring Jesse Ventura and some guy named Arnold. Lots of shooting and explosions in this clip, very little dialogue, as Jesse Ventura goes nuts with some sort of automatic weapon. And I just love the fact that Jesse Ventura is in this movie and continuously refers to it as the Predator. It's Predator, Jess. Just Predator. And he's back. Yes, indeed, guys. It's time for the JYD Junkyard Dog in action. Going to take on Terry Gibbs here. Dog making his return to TV for the first time since WrestleMania 3. And we even get an insert promo from the dog saying just as much here as Gibbs attacks JYD, but the dog comes fighting back into a crisscross spot, which ends with a Junkyard Dog hip toss. But J.Y. missing a falling headbutt, and Terry Gibbs takes over after landing a clothesline. Gibbs continues on the offense, but hurts his hand, punching at that hard head of the dog, and J.Y.D. going to make the comeback, slamming Gibbs off the top rope, and it's the thump power slam going to score the win here in 1 minute and 42 seconds. And post-match, the dog looks gassed, and J.Y.D. back to dancing with the kids at ringside after the matchup, but he doesn't even bother to give us that customary JYD smile here. Was he just that out of breath, or does he just not care? And naturally, on commentary, they try and put over the dog being bigger and better than ever. The bigger part? I believe. And you'd think losing your job for a few months would light a fire under your ass to get better. But dog was probably worse here than he was before he left, and that's a scary thought, guys. All of that coming from a JYD fan such as myself. And speaking of being a fan, I'm a fan of this tag team, Mean Gene Oakland standing by with Mr. Fuji and his team of demolition. Mr. Fuji, come on in. He's done it again, and you've done it again. Not only Killer Khan, but you've got probably one of the hottest teams right now in professional wrestling, Demolition. Very, very true. Demolition, axe and smash. One smash and one use the axe. And when the one use the axe, the other stuff spread right out. And I love Red. Let me ask you a question. Uh, they talk you into painting yourself up like that? No. Might be strike Mr. Fuji not once, but twice. The devil is in me. So I relate mind to mind communication. I show you what I'm talking about. All right. They are your prized possessions. They are demolition. They are axe and smash. That's right. It's kind of like this. This is a very big world. And in this world, there's a lot of bad, bad men. You have the Can-Ams, you have the Hearts, you have the Killer Bees, 
But when Fuji gives us the word, he gets that little smile on his face. <laughs> that means to break bones, and it doesn't matter whose. So he might look at Axe, and Axe might break his neck. Then he'll look at me, and I might break a leg. And what's funny is, we love it. Yeah. You notice I got the name straight this week, huh? It's about time, Howard. All we have to do to be successful, all we have to do to capture the gold belt, is listen to Master Fuji. Ah. Each and every night, after we demolish another team, we sit down and Fuji tells us what we did wrong. The only thing we do wrong is let our opponents get out of there without a trip to the hospital. Every night, it doesn't matter if it's the Can-Ams, the Bumblebees, the Heart Foundation, the British Bulldogs. We don't care who it is. Fuji says demolish, we demolish. Fuji says destroy, we destroy. You got that, Howard? No, not, not Howard. I'm, I'm Gene. You're thinking of somebody else. I'm thinking of you. Not very often either. All right, I thank you very much, gentlemen, and I thank you, Mr. Fuji. You know, I've got to compliment you on these uniforms you have the demolition wear. They're a classy touch. I've got luggage that looks a little something like that. It's just beautiful. It kills me to see them use it unappointed. Oh, they're sharp dressers. Very good. <laughs> Mr. Fuji, along with Axe and Smash, the Let's smash and attack! Okay. Ah, and it begins. We've already heard Mean Gene begin to screw up referring to Axe as Smash. Smash is Axe. And now here it is. Axe referring to Gene is Howard. I would imagine in reference to Howard Finkel, who is also bald and has a mustache, as the demolitions state that they will continue to listen to Master Fuji and demolish their opposition. And I just love the heel demolition promos with Mean Gene. They always have so much fun together back and forth. The delivery is so realistic here. I'm smashing that Axe! And we'll hear that moving forward more often than not, at least the heel demolition. And it's back to the ring tag team action, the new dream team. Luscious Johnny V in their corner, taking on the team of Leaping Lanny Poffo and newcomer Scott Casey. And this week's Poffo poem is about the Nielsen ratings and the announced team here on Superstars. Poffo puts heat on Jesse Ventura, which Vince McMahon seemingly loves. Ha ha, pal! And Scott Casey making his WWF debut. And Casey, he may be a newcomer here to the World Wrestling Federation, but not to the wrestling rings. A 15-year veteran here is Scott Casey in places like Florida, Dallas, Japan, Amarillo, and even a headliner in San Antonio. And he looks really well put together here for this run as they let Scott Casey shine here early on, taking out both members of the Dream Team with some basic offense and looking good doing it. But eventually Lanny Poffo tagging in and landing his moonsault on Dino Bravo, going to get him a two-count. A two-count with your finisher doesn't bode well for Poffo. And to quote Robot Chicken, Lanny Poffo going boffo here, running wild until he runs into a Greg Valentine knee from the apron. The heels take over, and soon it's the Dino Bravo side suplex on Poffo, going to get the win in 2 minutes and 47 seconds. So Scott Casey loses his first match here in the WWF, but doesn't take the pin. And he really didn't get touched here. He was all offense, albeit generic offense, but offense nonetheless. So they're protecting him to a degree thus far. And we'll see a lot more of Scott Casey over the next couple of years here in the World Wrestling Federation. As it's off to another edition of the Snake Pit, Jake Roberts standing by with his guests Hillbilly Jim and Little Beaver here this week talking revenge on that coward K-1000. 
King Kong Bundy, three months later. And the Snake Man telling Little Beaver that he's lucky to be alive after what Bundy did to him at WrestleMania, we go back in time and see clips of King Kong Bundy slamming and dropping the big elbow across the chest of Little Beave. Beaver says he was in the hospital, but he's back, and Hillbilly Jim will take care of Bundy for the little guy. And isn't it odd, just a couple weeks ago, Hillbilly Jim trying some kangaroo tail soup, mate, and now he's out here all of a sudden? He randomly remembers he's supposed to be mad at King Kong Bundy. So that feud apparently back up and running, at least for the house shows, as we're off to yet another PSA, and at least this week I buy it, it's Ricky the Dragon Steamboat telling us to say no to drugs, kids, and get a natural high instead. More like a natural hi-ya. Get it, guys? Karate? Hi-ya? Never mind. And back to the ring. It's time, guys. Intercontinental Championship here on WWF Superstars. The champion, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, scheduled to take on the challenge of the Honky Tonk Man, Jimmy Hart in his corner. As on commentary, Vince McMahon, Bruno San Martino applauding Steamboat for being a fighting champion. But Jesse Ventura thinks it's foolish for having an open contract like this. Though make no mistake about it, the body is happy that Honky Tonk Man is getting this title shot. And as the match gets going, Honky attacks. And Steamboat gets tossed over the top rope early on, but he holds onto the ropes in a skin-the-cat type position. But his legs land around the head of Jimmy Hart on the outside. As Steamboat hangs from the top rope, he catches Jimmy Hart and head scissors out on the floor and clocks him before skinning the cat back into the ring. And then it's the Honky Tonk Man charging at the dragon. But Ricky Steamboat with the backdrop, sending the challenger out to the floor as well. Really hot opening sequence there. As the match gets going, and then it's Honky Tonk Man back up on the apron. Steamboat going to back suplex him back into the ring. And then a Mr. Perfect style rolling neck snap here by the dragon as well. Steamer with a series of chops and eventually reverse rolling cradle. But the Honky Tonk Man kicks out at two sending the dragon into the corner buckle hard, potentially hurting his throat. You guys have to remember that injured larynx that Steamboat suffered not too many months ago at the hands of the Macho Man. Honky Tonk Man going to take advantage by snapping the dragon's neck across the top rope. The challenger then briefly takes over, but misses a middle rope elbow drop, maybe the biggest bump in Honky's career. Steamboat, though, comes fighting back, but telegraphs a backdrop, and Honky Tonk Man hooks him looking for the shake, rattle, and roll neckbreaker, but the dragon counters out with a backdrop. And the honky-tonk man goes flying upside down to the corner after that. Steamboat fires up, pun intended, with a series of karate chops, and to the top rope, it's the dragon flying karate chop off the top. That's been his finisher as of late, but Jimmy Hart up in the apron to distract the referee. Steamboat going after the colonel, even drop-kicking honky-tonk man into his manager. Down goes Jimmy Hart off the apron, and the champ seems to have this match well in hand. The dragon with an inside cradle. But Honky Tonk Man rolls it over. Honky reversing the cradle and holds the rope for leverage. One, two. Was that a three? Looked like two to me. Weird ending, but holy shit. The Honky Tonk Man has apparently pinned Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Three minutes and 50 seconds is all the match went. And it appears that we have a brand new... WWF Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Talk Man. Jesse Ventura on commentary, sticking it to Bruno San Martino and Vince McMahon, who felt the Honky Talk Man wasn't even deserving of a title shot. And now he's the Intercontinental Champion. And I did not see this coming as a kid. And based on that abrupt finish, neither did the fans in attendance. Holy wow. 
everyone in shock. We got some boos there, but also confusion and disbelief. The fans weren't really sure that the Honky Tonk Man had even won the title. As Honky and Hart leave with the IC belt in celebration, and the crowd clearly doesn't know what to make of it. Did this really just happen? Honky Tonk Man pinned Ricky Steamboat in less than four minutes? So after a storied feud between Savage and Steamboat leading to the Dragon winning the Intercontinental title at WrestleMania 3, one of the most epic matches in WrestleMania history, only for the Dragon to lose the title on TV just a couple months later to a gimmick heel. But boy, was that gimmick over. And thus begins the reign of the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time, the Hockey Talk Man. And I'm not going to deep dive into it like I initially planned, but I want to touch on the rumors here of the natural Butch Reed, who a lot of people have stated was actually the one selected to take the Intercontinental title from Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. The story goes, even from the Honky Tonk Man, that Reed no-showed a couple of events here, TV tapings, including this one where he was supposed to be given the IC title, and thus they had to go with someone else. They go with the Honky Tonk Man. Remember Steamboat going on a sabbatical to be with his wife and his brand new baby boy, Little Dragon. So the story goes, they were going to take the belt off of Steamboat and give it to Butch Reed, but Butch Reed a no-show. So they look around and go, well, who's next in line? Let's let's give it to this guy over here. Let's give it to the Honky Talk Man. Even Honky tells that version of the story. And I've heard Slick and Butch Reed go along with it as well. Neither one of them seemed as detail-oriented as the Honky Talk Man was on the situation. A lot of people like to believe it. Many call it folklore. And a lot of people also point out, I've seen Butch Reed in that celebratory backstage video. The one where Honky Tonk Man wins the title and they celebrate with the heels. Butch Reed among those heels. Now I want to point out that was actually recorded at another taping. So Butch Reed was indeed missing in action from this set of Superstars tapings. So that part is true. I just find it hard to believe that they were going to put the IC title on Reed who is clearly not getting over. And you might argue, well, maybe that title was going to get him over. I loved his look, and I've said it a million times. I loved everything Butchery did on the territories prior to this run. I'm in the minority here. I even enjoyed the natural character because I love the, the sweet daddy Seeky thing. So I love the whole bleach blonde hair and, and all that other nonsense. I know Reed didn't, but I never once disliked Butch Reed in the ring, the character, but his wrestling here in the WWF has been the shits, to be blunt. Outside of one decent match with Tito Santana, I haven't been impressed with anything Reed has done here in the last eight, ten months he's been with the company. And I just can't see them putting the IC title on a guy who is simply not over at all. And again, that's coming from a Butch Reed fan. I love Doom. I was upset when Dusty Rhodes came back to WCW and immediately split up Ron Simmons and Butch Reed. I loved the tag team of Doom as well. When Butch Reed disappeared shortly after Doom, I was like, where did he go? One of my favorites. Now, on the other side of the room, you have the Honky Tonk Man. In record time, one of the most over heels in the WWE's history. And he came in as a babyface. Think about that. This guy turned from face to heel in record time in the World Wrestling Federation because the fans turned him. Vince had no option. 
Then it appeared they had an upper mid-card heel character on their hands. Made for some fun TV, but this guy goes out there and gets himself over to the next level. The fans absolutely hate the Honky Tonk Man. You couldn't have picked a better heel to put the title on. Especially with the Macho Man going babyface. I just don't see Butch Reed shoving Elizabeth down, getting us over as the Honky Tonk Man. Great promos, great character as the Honky Tonk Man. I don't really see Honky nor Butch Reed having good wrestling matches right now. And maybe I'll even give the slight edge there to Butch Reed, but where Honky lacked in wrestling skills he made up for and everything else, as we'll even hear the babyface commentators point out over and over throughout his Intercontinental title run. So was Butch Reed supposed to get the IC title? A lot of people say yes, including those in the know, including those involved here. Others in the know say absolutely not. It's just a fairy tale, a story that somebody created once upon a time. And I guess at the end of the day, we probably really never will know. And as fans, we're going to pick our sides. And for years, I wanted to believe the Butch Reed rumor because it just, it sounded cool. But barring what a few wrestlers have said, everything points to the Hockey Talk Man. And that's where I stand on it as of 2023. As we roll on with the show, still one more matchup to go down here this week on Superstars. The one-man gang with Slick in his corner going to take on Silvano Sousa? Wow, now that's enhancement talent from way back. Talking back to the 1970s. Sousa looking a little trimmer here now. At least better than he did when I last saw him. And you can tell this match really did happen after that intercontinental title change. Either that or they simply didn't add any crowd-sweetening noise here. Because the fans are still in shock, I would imagine, from the Honky Tonk Man winning the title. And they're fairly quiet for this matchup as we get an insert promo here from the gang and the Doctor of Style talking the Master Blaster finisher. Slick says that they could talk about it, but seeing is believing, brother. And it's off to the ring as the gang attacks Sousa, beating him down and delivering that Master Blaster, that middle rope bulldog thingy the gang does. And it didn't even look pretty here, but the gang doesn't cover. Instead, he goes back up to the middle rope yet again doesn't even bother to reposition Silvano Sousa. Instead, the gang trying to walk the middle rope very awkwardly before dropping a middle rope elbow drop to the back of the head of Sousa. Gang going to get the quick win here in a minute and 38 seconds. And we even hear the Slicksters turn out the lights, the party's over line, though he doesn't sing it yet. And I'm still unsure why this master blaster is the gang's finisher. But it's never even the last movie does. He always finishes with that middle rope elbow drop instead. But I won't think too hard about it because they're going to change the gang's finisher here before too long. And no matter what it is, it'll be for the better. And as this episode of Superstars comes to a conclusion, the brand new Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Tonk Man, returns to ringside. All right, and Honky Talk Man with IC belt in hand holding it up. Colonel Jimmy Hart by his side comes back out to thank the fans for their support. What a beautiful audience. He says that he won the Intercontinental title for the people. The belt is for the fans. What a heel. 
let's hear it again for the brand new Intercontinental Champion, the Hockey Talk Man. All right, we're going to continue on here. More WWF action. But first, once again, it's the WWF on tour. It's the World Wrestling Federation on tour coming to these great areas and facilities with action. Monday, June 22nd, Lexington, Kentucky, Rupp Arena, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat on the bill in Lexington. Sunday, June 21st, Columbus, Ohio, Ohio Center, George the Animal Steel in action in Columbus. Saturday, June 20th, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Allen County War Memorial. It's the Junkyard Dog returning to Fort Wayne. Saturday, June 20, Augusta, Georgia, Augusta Civic Center, Macho Man Randy Savage on the card in Augusta. Saturday, June 20, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia Spectrum, Hulk Hogan among those in action in Philly. Friday, June 19th, Peoria, Illinois, Peoria Civic Center, the Hart Foundation on the card in Peoria. Friday, June 19th, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Winston-Salem Coliseum, Jake the Snake Roberts, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat on the card in Winston-Salem. It's the World Wrestling Federation. Be a part of it when it comes to your area. Right, and hopefully they made their way to your area. And right now we're going to make our way to June the 14th in WWF Wrestling Challenge, a new set of tapings there as well. Tape back June the 3rd in Rochester, New York at the War Memorial, Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby Heenan on commentary. And off to the ring we go, Kamala and Sika with Mr. Fuji and Kim Chi in their corner going to take on the team of Don Driggers and Mario Mancini. And it appears that the barber, Brutus Beefcake, must have gotten a hold of Mancini because his mustache is missing in action this week and... Now Mario just looks like another random job guy. The action goes on. The heels dominating both opponents. Excellent running sequence here with Driggers and Sika. Sees Driggers run right into a Sika Samoan drop. Gets a big pop from the fans. That's what happens when you do something right. Followed by a Kamala splash. Going to pin Driggers in 2 minutes and 21 seconds. And then post-match, Kamala off to the top rope. Looking to splash Driggers. He could make peanut butter pie out of Driggers. Well, he certainly could. Gorilla Monsoon always talking about that peanut butter pie. And let's talk about Kamala and Sika just for a second here, given their look, their size, their past history, and the fact that the team actually works. I mean, Sika, a former WWF Tag Team Champion, Kamala, he's feuded with the likes of Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. I just can't believe these guys weren't given anything to do here during their run in 1987, as we're off to Wrestler's Rebuttal with Greg DeGeorge. Standing by with the K&M's. Right now, it's special wrestler rebuttal time. Let's go to Greg DeGeorge with a K&M. Gorilla Monsoon flubbing on two things there, and it's off to wrestler's rebuttal. It's actually Craig DeGeorge standing by with the Can-Am connection, Tom Zink, Rick Martell, as they look for revenge on the Islanders. And the duo, they hit the bullet points here and what they want to say, but it feels like they're so worried about getting their point across they lack any emotion behind their words, very much like Kim Patera. Okay, maybe not that bad, but just lack of emotion here in what they're saying, especially with Tom Zink. As we're off to the ring, Brutus the Barber Beefcake going to take on Dusty Wolf. Beefer 
beginning to grow his hair out, but still trying to figure out that baby face gear. This week, the barber wearing something similar in color scheme to the Beverly Brothers. As we get an insert promo from Jacques and Raymond, the Rougeau brothers, they show off their solidarity by talking Brutus Beefcake's improvement on his haircuts in recent weeks. Meanwhile, Brutai doesn't even acknowledge the Rougeau's existence in his promos. Not that I blame him. And it's lots of strutting early on here by Beefcake and stalling by the beefer, frustrating Dusty Wolf. Brutai, though, comes back with a power slam and locks in the sleeper hold, going to get the win in 2 minutes and 26 seconds in post-match. Beefcake putting on the barber's jacket and a smock for Dusty Wolf. Nice touch here this week. Going to put a smock around the neck of Dusty Wolf before doing a little cutting. And Beefcake, he's been strutting since he arrived here in the WWF back in 1984, but he's becoming more animated here as a babyface, now signaling for the sleeper, laying his head on his hands. And Brutus has said in the past that he thought this gimmick was a rib when it was pitched to him back before WrestleMania three. Then when he realized it was real, he thought his career was over. But in fact, it all worked out. Right out of the gate, the fans loved the haircuts and Beefcake embracing the gimmick here, adding the mannerisms, really adding a lot to the character of the barber. Brutus Beefcake being handed a gimmick he thought was going to be the death of his career, but he makes it work, and you got to give him that much, as we're off to Mean Gene Oakland standing by with the duo of the Killer Bees. All right, hi, good everybody, Mean Gene Oakland, bringing in right now one of the hottest teams of the World Wrestling Federation. I mean, these guys are on fire. From White Bear Lake, Minnesota, jumping Jim Brunzel from Tampa, Florida, B. Brian Blair and gentlemen, talking about hot, we have got a very hot and volatile tag team situation here in the World Wrestling Federation, Jimmy. Well, that's right, Gene. You know, you're talking uh, talent and professional wrestling, you're talking the World Wrestling Federation, and that uh, holds uh, true for the world's uh, tag team situation right now. Everybody wants a shot at uh, the hearts. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of talent. You, they just go right down the line, the demos, the hearts. You got uh, Bravo and Valentine, and the list goes on, the Can-Am. Brian and I are in a great position right now, and hopefully if we can uh, remain healthy and maybe create a little mass confusion, uh, maybe we'll get those belts soon. All right, as we wade through that list, B. Brian Blair, let's talk about, yes, the demolition of the British Bulldogs, the Rougeau brothers, the new dream team. That list goes on and on, but ultimately everybody wants a shot at the champions, and they just happen to be at this time the Hart Foundation. That's my exact same sentiments, Mean Gene. You know, I went to our main man, H.H., and I said, Hulkster, I said, we're facing some really big dudes. You know, and I saw you slam that giant down to the mat. I know you got it, what it takes. And I said, we just need a little bit of psych on. We need something. And he said, wait a minute. Let me tell you what you need. I know exactly what you need. You need a little pump on them wings. So we went down in the dungeon in Venice Beach, right in the gym there. And we saw that steel staring us in the eye. And we started lifting, man. We started hanging and banging. We sweat and we swore. Finally, Brunzi and I passed out. The hoaxer woke us up and we got up and did it some more. And now we're ready, Daddy-O. We're ready, Mean Genius. As a matter of fact, we just stopped by Hazel's last week. Picked us up a quart of Orange Blossom Specials. Hazel's Honey Hut, two quarts. We're ready to go. Our toes are tapping and our wings are flapping. Oh, right. We're ready for the John Blair, jumping Jim Brunzel. And Brian Blair continuing to put over Hulk Hogan in his promos, going to the gym, strengthening their wings. The Killer Bees, they hanged and banged, they hung and bung. That one's for you, Jesse. And they've got a matchup coming against the WWF Tag Team Champion Heart Foundation real soon here on TV. So we'll see if all that hanging and banging helped the bees out. Then it's back to the ring for Killer Khan, taking on Eric Cooper, of course, Mr. Fuji in the corner of Khan. Khan gets down into the sumo stance to start with here before we hear the war cry screams of the killer 
as he chomps and stomps poor Cooper down to the mat. Khan even busting out a Russian leg sweep, which Gorilla Monsoon inaccurately describes as a back suplex. Also, Khan busting out a thrust kick and a backbreaker, which Gorilla also refers to as a gut wrench backbreaker. Gorilla 0 for 2 here in the moves here in this match with Khan. One thing nobody can mistake, it's a flying knee drop off the top rope by Killer Khan. Going to score the win here in 1 minute and 56 seconds over Eric Cooper. And Khan's offense was almost all chops and stomps. But man, he could pull some cool shit out of nowhere when he needed to. That Russian leg sweep, those thrust kicks to the chin, you just don't see him coming. Killer Khan continues his undefeated streak as we continue on here into the summer. And we're off to yet another soundbite. This time, Mean Gene Oakland standing by, going to interview the Doctor of Style Slick and its newest member to the Slickster Stable, the One Man Gang. All right, stay tuned. There's more exciting action right around the corner here as the World Wrestling Federation at its very best continues. This fan, the Doctor of Style Slick, come on in. Always very natalie attired. You must make some of that, that real big money. But Slick, you know, I must, I must compliment you. You really astounded me when you brought Butch Reed to the World Wrestling Federation. But this latest acquisition of yours is absolutely awesome. One-man gang is overwhelming. You know, Gene, you finally said something that makes a whole lot of sense when you're referring to me. And, you know, to tell you the truth about it, I'm overwhelmed, I'm ecstatic, I'm overjoyed, I'm elated about the one-man gang. Come on in, brother. Let them get a real good look Guys at like it. like a house. At <laughs> the big 747. You know, let me tell you something. You've got to have goal and aim in life. You know what I'm saying? It, I've already come to the World Wrestling Federation. I've guided my men to victory after victory, but that's not enough. The ultimate in professional wrestling is to have the World's Heavyweight Championship. Right. And I'm convinced this is the man that's going to do it for me. Well, right, I've got to say one thing, one-man gang. You're not, uh, you're not the average dude that we meet on the street. As a matter of fact, you're very big. Just exactly how tall are you? Well, Mean Gene, I stand in at six foot nine, and I weigh in at 450 pounds. And this man's got what I like. He's got the green, he's got the money to pay me, to feed my body, to take me out and treat me right. I'm going to tell you, Mean Gene, I'm on my way to the World Heavyweight Championship held by Hulk Hogan, what every man in the WWF wants, and I'm going to get it. You can bank on it. All right, I thank you. Very impressive. One of the biggest men in all of professional sports today, the one-man gang, is managed by the Doctor of Style, Slick. Stay tuned. We're right back. Slick stating the one-man gang is the man that will bring him the WWF title held by Hulk Hogan. What does that make Butch Reed? Now, seriously, if you think about it from a realistic point of view, I'm standing here as the one-man gang's manager, referring to him as the next WWF champion. What does that make Butch Reed or even Nikolai Volkov, for that matter? How do they feel? when Slick has pegged one man in his group to be the only guy in his stable that can take out the WWF champion Hulk Hogan. And then it's back to the ring. More action. Junkyard Dog here on Challenge going to take on Steve Lombardi as we get an insert promo here from Slick and Nikolai Volkov, who planned to send the dog back home again. Dear God, no. Please don't let this be a match on TV. Nikolai Volkov and the Junkyard Dog? No, thank you. Back to the action. It's the JYD with headbutts and the big Thump! Power slam. Going to put Steve Lombardi away here in 2 minutes and 12 seconds. The dog is back. And the push is over. And the show will roll on. Craig DeGeorge standing by with the outlaw, Ron Bass. 
They call Ron Bass the outlaw for good reason, because as you know, the outlaw has been known to abandon break rules over time and what, what is the business? What, what is the business? When you talk about somebody bending and breaking rules, that means they do something behind somebody's back. And I never do anything behind anybody's back. I'll look you eyeball to eyeball and look you toe to toe, baby. Let me tell you something what I'm coming out here for now. It's to introduce a friend of mine. We're going to call her old Betsy, huh? And let me tell you something, people. There's a lot of people like Hulk Hogan, Tito Santana, Ricky Steamboat. There's a bunch of people out there. You're going to be feeling the pain. You're going to be feeling the sting of old Betsy before I'm done. Because when the outlaw, he first got to the WWF, he says, hey, you're going to take notice, and I guarantee you, I've got the thing right here to make you turn around and look at the big outlaw, because the big outlaw is a man to be feared, and right here is something that's backing me up. So people, whenever the outlaw's on the card, you better believe I'm going to be there live and in color, and I'll bet you right by my side, I'll be looking for you. Ron Bass stating that he isn't the kind of man that would sneak attack someone. He's the kind of guy that looks him right in the eyes. Does it face-to-face? Name drops a few of the babyfaces here, including the WWF champion Hulk Hogan. Now, that could have been fun for a TV match. The Outlaw versus Hulk Hogan. As once again, Bass showing off his latest weapon, or accessory here. It's his bullwhip, Old Betsy. Which is not to be confused with Bobby Heenan's personal secretary, Miss Betty. So Ron Bass going from the branding iron to the bullwhip in record time. But at least they're trying with him. Then from there, we get a couple of replays from Superstars. First, it's a replay of the update on Superstar Graham's recovery. And then, shown in its entirety here on Challenge, the Superstars replay of the IC title match of the Intercontinental Champion Ricky Steamboat taking on the Honky Tonk Man. And of course, as we all know by now, the Honky Tonk Man, the new Intercontinental Champion. Then back to the ring here on Challenge, six-man tag team action. Sees the team of Iron Mike Sharp, Cowboy Bob Orton, and the Magnificent Morocco... You think that's odd? Listen to this. Taking on the trio of Billy Jack Haynes, Hillbilly Jim, and Special Delivery Jones. Wow, talk about hitting rock bottom. Haynes now teaming with SD Jones. And Haynes going to start things out here as he takes a hip toss and an arm drag from Orton early on, but the Cowboys celebrates for too long, and Haynes making the comeback, tossing Orton all around the ring before the magnificent Morocco tagging in, as does Hillbilly Jim. Eventually, though, the match will break down into a pure sixer, all three heels being sent into the same corner and then sandwiched into one another. The action goes on from there. Special Delivery Jones laying in a few headbutts to stun Don Morocco, but Don makes the comeback with a power slam out of nowhere on SD Jones. Then from there, the days Morocco staggers into his corner, partner Cowboy Bob Orton extending his hand, but Morocco doesn't see it and instead tags out to Iron Mike Sharp, which seems to upset the Cowboy as Morocco and Orton then begin arguing, but the referee's still distracted with all of the action going on all around the ring, and Don Morocco back inside, climbing up to the middle rope, Mike Sharp holding SD Jones for Morocco, but Morocco coming off that middle rope, accidentally nailing Sharp instead, SD Jones out of the way. Morocco clotheslining Iron Mike, SD Jones going to drop down and make the cover on Sharp. One, two, three. The babyface team going to get the win here in 3 minutes and 24 seconds post-match. Orton and Morocco argue all the way up the aisle as the babyfaces celebrate in the ring. And Billy Jack Haynes couldn't even get the win here for his team. And yes, I do get that this match was more about the Orton and Morocco storyline. And it meant a little more for SD Jones of all people to score the win here. But still, I'd love to know what Haynes did to fall down the ladder this far. 
and SD Jones clearly back on the road full time here in the WWF, at least for the time being. As we close out this edition of Wrestling Challenge, it's Mean Gene standing by with Jimmy Hart and the tag team champions, the Hart Foundation. I cannot believe it. What a bombshell, ladies and gentlemen. Another surprise here in a World Wrestling Federation. Jimmy Hart, you've got to be the, the luckiest and the happiest guy I've seen at a World Wrestling Federation. All of a sudden, the honky-tonk band is the brand new intercontinental champion of the world. You know, this is the greatest day of my life. The Hart Foundations of the world champions. And like you said, Daddy, the intercontinental champion is who? That's the, right, the honky-tonk man. Please, That's right. Please. And you're jealous. You're jealous of the hearts and you're jealous of the honky-tonk man. We're sitting on top of the world. You know, it's a lot of great teams. Out like the Killer Bees, the Islanders, you know, Morocco, Jorge, bring them all on, right, Daddy? What about, what about the Rajos? What about the New Green Team? What is it, It's a Hart? big day for the foundation. <laughs> a big day. Next thing you know, Danny Davis will be being Hulk Hogan, and we'll have all the belts. <laughs> well, you can't underestimate the Hart Foundation. The Not at this point. One at a time, gentlemen. Yes, you were Not saying. Not at this point. Don't underestimate the Hart Foundation. Now let's talk about the teams. Let's talk about the Rougeau. Yes, and the British Bulldogs. Deal. The Bulldogs. They were a good team. Okay, we'll give them that much credit. They were a good team. Wait a the, minute. The Killer Bees. You know what the Killer Bees are? They're red hot right They're now. They're nothing more than two ruthless cheaters. And I don't know how they sleep at night. Absolutely. How can you say that, Jim? The Anvil Night Hawk? Well, number one, everyone knows that when a bee stings someone, and the stinger comes out, and that person, that bee stings that one, a bee dies after it stings one time. Everyone knows that fact, right? That's right. And we've been stung once, and that's enough. Never going to happen well, again. Uh, never yeah. say they're never. Never issue. say never. Yeah, never say never, but uh, they bring the masks out. Look at, you know, Jimmy, what do we have to do to, to beat the killer bees? Do we have to put masks on, too? No, we don't. We don't have to hide our pretty faces. Let's talk about other teams. What other teams you want to what talk about? What else do you want to talk about? You want to talk about the Can-Ams? Oh, what do you want to talk about? You, you want to talk about the Can-Ams? You can talk about them. You threw me for a loop with the pretty faces, but go ahead. You want to talk about the Can-Ams? I don't want to talk about the Can-Ams. <laughs> what about demolition? Hey, I like them. Well, what about the demolition? I think they're... I like them. They're a little off the wall. They're a little like you guys. I... You know, you're jealous. You know, there's favoritism right oh, there. Yeah. You know, something oh, else you yeah. brought up, too. You oh, know, you're yeah. not Danny Davis, a referee, right? What happened when we got swerved by the dead gum killer bees? Why didn't the referee put his hands and check these yeah. guys out? How what, about the what about the dog? What about the dog? Yeah! What about the dog? Matilda? Yeah! Look at this, a little dog. You can't, the dog is not going to do you any harm. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of people out there that better get used to the fact that the Hart Foundation will be the world champions for a long, long time. All right, I thank you, Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, Jimmy Hart. They are, indeed, the Hart Foundation. And Jimmy Hart just eating it up here. The Hart Foundation, the tag team champions, Honky Tonk Man, now the Intercontinental Champion. And once he inherits the Glamour Girls, Hart essentially owns all of the WWF titles besides the big one. Dude. Jimmy Hart even teasing Dangerous Danny Davis taking the WWF title from Hulk Hogan. And I said it with Outlaw Ron Bass, but, but oh man, Davis versus Hulk Hogan? Now that would have made for an awesome match on Saturday night's main event. Hart Foundation also mentioning the Killer Bees here in the promo, referring to them as cheaters when they use those masks. Well, they're not lying. And the Hearts, they'll be facing the Bees here very soon on TV. As we close this week's edition of Challenge, we see that locker room celebration that I reference of the Honky Tonk Man's Intercontinental title win. And surprisingly, it's the Macho Man Randy Savage, the first person to congratulate Honky there. 
which is a little odd after Macho making it clear that he wanted to be the one to dethrone Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, even preventing Hercules from beating Steamboat on Saturday night's main event. Here the Honky Talk Man wins the title, and the Macho Man the first one to greet him. Congratulations on beating the Dragon. Also, as I mentioned, interesting, the natural Butch Reed shown in this celebration shot as well. Make of that what you will, as we're off to one more piece of business here this week on the Grenade. It's primetime wrestling for June the 17th. That's right, a special Wednesday edition here this week, hosted yet again by Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan, as we're off to Bobby the Brain Heenan talking about acquiring the Islanders. Tell me something about your acquisition of the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about that now. Well, that's what we want to know. That's We're here put, to, to enlighten you the You changed fans. these guys. They were nice guys. They were happy-go-lucky men from the, the islands. Every, what, what went wrong with them? They're going to make some money now. They're not going to be laughed at by people. You, you, I, I assume you're thinking that everybody thinks that they weren't making any money. Now they're going to make big money. Big money. And you're going to get a big part of it, right? Why? We'll be right back. And so the Islanders started off as just a couple of happy-go-lucky island guys, but they're going to make money now. The brain touting his latest addition to the Heenan family of Haku and Tama, or Toma, take your pick. Primetime rolls on. We come out of the new Dream Team match. They get that win over Roma and Powers. We're going to hear what Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon have to say about the new Dream Team, as well as Brutus Beefcake. No substitution for experience and cunning and connivory, so to speak. You see, if uh, Brutus Beefcake was still a member of that team, the match would still be going on. Greg would be in there doing all the work. He'd be standing on the apron adjusting his bow tie. They had to dump him. They had to dump him? Mm -hmm. Had to dump him. For your information, it was Brutai who left the dream team. Well, he'd like you to think that, but no, they, they dumped him. Dumped him. What a fountain of misinformation you are at times. You don't have a clue Dump what's them. going on. You're having a lot less pain this week, too, I noticed. No, it isn't. It's still bothering me quite, quite a lot. I'm just gutting it out. <laughs> gutting it out. Give me a break, brain. You're just unreal. And I love the line there, Bobby Heenan. If Brutus Beefcake was in this match, the match would still be going. The hammer would be doing all the work, and Beefcake would be over there adjusting his bow tie. Great lines by the brain, as always. Meanwhile, Gorilla Monsoon claiming it was Brutus Beefcake who left the Dream Team. I guess gorillas have short memories, so we only have to go back to WrestleMania 3 to see the Dream Team, the new Dream Team, ditch Brutus Beefcake. But we're not done yet. We have more sound bites lined up here on Primetime Wrestling. Coming out of a Ken Patera promo, Bobby Heenan continuing to respond to the ex-con number 59919. Well, Brain, Kenny said it all. When the going got tough, you took a little hike ski for yourself. <clears throat> I'm going to make it real simple. And I hope somewhere in this United States of America, Mr. Patera is watching. Probably is. I don't care about you paying your debt to society. I don't care about any of that garbage. You walked out on me when you got in trouble. When you couldn't control yourself as a citizen, and you can't handle yourself properly, then we separate right there. I could care less if your wife had to take and wash or get five or six jobs. I could care less if your little kids had dirty diapers or pablum smeared all over their face. I'm a businessman. When you cease to not be productive anymore for me, you're gone. You're dumped. And when you got in trouble, that's what happened, pal. I dumped you. And if you think you're going to get away with putting a belt around my neck and trying to decapitate me, it's not over yet. Not by a long means. For him. Now getting back to you, 
I'm glad that you weren't around managing when I was at the height of my career because I wouldn't have liked to have even had the thought of someone like you handling my affairs, someone who would walk out at the first sign of any kind of a problem whatsoever without giving it any consideration at all, just take a hike, walk away from the situation. Would you do that to Benedict Arnold? You probably would. Would you do that to Bundy? You probably would. Would you do that to Race? I imagine you would, wouldn't you? Would you just walk away from those guys as well? Mm. Let's put it this way. When they got into trouble, if they got into trouble outside the ring and caused me embarrassment, and I look at it like they've walked away from me. They walked away from you. When Patera got in trouble and couldn't handle himself like a citizen, like a menace to society, then he, he betrayed me. That's how I look Talk at about it. menace to society. Yes, he is. I'm judge and jury and executioner. Well, you were the one who was just about executed as we take a look at that horse collar that you're still wearing. We'll be back with a barber in just a moment. And a couple of sound bites there spliced together going into and coming out of a commercial break. Bobby Heenan taking none of the blame for Kim Patera's shortcomings, nor should he. Heenan referring to their relationship as a business deal. And Patera will pay for what he did to Bobby's neck at the debate. Gorilla Monsoon asking Bobby Heenan, would he do that to the other Heenan family members? Leave them laying on the side of the road. And Bobby Heenan once again explaining, when Patera got in trouble, it was Ken walking away from Bobby Heenan. It wasn't Heenan walking away from Kim Patera. He broke the contract. He betrayed the Heenan family. It cost Bobby Heenan money. This was a business deal after all. Kim Patera made the decisions that he made, not Bobby Heenan. It wasn't his job to keep in touch. And while cold-hearted, Bobby Heenan bringing up a lot of good points here, it was strictly business. Next soundbite sees us coming out of the Brutus Beefcake-Tim Patterson matchup. The duo going to have a little fun with the name Patterson. Brutus Beefcake, the barber he likes to be known to nowadays, is coming up right now. I don't, ex I don't suppose that this gentleman that he's facing is going to cause him too much of a problem. Is this any relationship to the former Intercontinental Champion Pat Patterson? Who, Louis Patterson? Jim, no, Jim Patterson is the opposition for Brutus Beefcake. Tim Patterson. Tim. I don't know any who's related to who. Or is this one of, the, one of the goofs that came out of the Terry Garvin school, uh, probably? Anyway, Terry let's Garvin go to school of self-defense. Let's go to ringside. Right. So they reference Pat Patterson there. Was Tim Patterson any relation to Pat? Highly unlikely. Perhaps Lewis Anderson? Of course, they're talking about Louis Dundero, obviously Patterson's longtime partner. And of course, they close it with who else but Terry Garvin from that school of self-defense. Gorilla and Bobby always taking shots there at uh, specifically Terry Garvin, sometimes Pat Patterson, even Louis Dundero. They knew what they were doing, and they really never broke character, which is surprising with some of the things they say from time to time. As we close out this edition of Primetime, we got one more soundbite here for you this week on The Grenade. Bobby Heenan for the second week in a row, wanting to wrap the show up once again. And Brain, you are in the calendar. And I, I know I am. Well, let me wrap it up again this week. Well, go up. Yeah, ahead. Well, you've seen you another program guess. of primetime wrestling that I had to put up with this man here. And next week, right here, next Wednesday, you're going to see... Next Monday. Monday. We're going back to our regular next Monday night. See y'all next Monday. I, wait a minute. You don't tell me these things just like that, do you? Well, it was only special for this week for Wednesday. Bobby Heenan says, we'll see you again here next Wednesday. Nope, we're going back to Monday next week, Brain. Primetime going to be back on the air here in just five days with a new edition of the show. Speaking of shows, this edition of Primetime going to conclude with a Primetime exclusive. Tape back May the 13th, San Diego, California at the Sports Arena. It's the team of the Magnificent Morocco 
and Cowboy Bob Orton with Mr. Fuji in their corner, defeating the team of Corporal Kirchner and C.B. Afi, Morocco scoring the winner over Afi with the Tombstone Piledriver. Match goes 7 minutes and 17 seconds. Fun little TV match here this week, and even though we've heard of the names like Afi and Kirchner, of course Kirchner already gone from the company any day now, if not already. I'm surprised they didn't play up the dissension here between Morocco and Orton, but they give him a win over some of the upscale preliminary guys who at one point or another, both of these guys, Afi and Kirchner, were given attempted pushes here in the WWF, and I actually liked Corporal Kirchner. CB Afi never really worked for me. And that'll wrap it up this week. We're all done with the grenade here this week, guys. I want to thank you guys so much, all of the loyal listeners, for sticking with the show. We're now in the middle of June TV here in the World Wrestling Federation in 1987. Another couple weeks of June TV coming your way next week. We're going to see the fallout of the brand new Intercontinental Champion, the Hockey Talk Man. So much more coming as the summer continues on in the year of 1987. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. August 19th, Admiral Harold Burns Jr. programs a devastating attack. Dad says... You sank my battleship. Battleship and electronic battleship from Milton Bradley. Okay, guys, and that's going to wrap it up this week here. For the Wrestling Memory Grenade, episode 84 in the books, episode 85 right around the corner as we continue on with the month of June TV and the World Wrestling Federation. Lots to look forward to, including the debut vignette of the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Just one of the many things to look forward to next time here on The Grenade. And a reminder, you guys can follow us on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also follow and like us, Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. And you can even subscribe to our YouTube channel over at YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade. New videos going up all the time over there. And last but certainly not least, I appreciate if you guys have a few bucks laying around. Show your support. Help keep all of the WrestleCopia shows up and running by joining that $5 all-access tier over at Patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Again, the address, Patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. There's no subscription you can cancel any time. Just give it a try for a month. I think you'll like the content we offer. And as part of that $5 all-access tier, you'll get things like all of my insanely detailed show notes for three of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia, plus early access to many of the shows, digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure, enhanced versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade, including new content edited back into the shows, and of course our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series, all of that, plus bonus drops. You never know what I'm going to add, videos or otherwise, as part of that $5 all-access tier, and you get all of that again for the low, low price of just $5, guys. So if you can, please help show your support and keep the WrestleCopia podcast network up and running for the years to come. And a special thank you to all of the patrons who have been with us for the past several months, the past several years here on the WrestleCopia podcast network. I want to thank you guys. I want to thank all of the loyal listeners of all the shows here on WrestleCopia. And don't forget, if you have the time, a brand new episode of Monday Warfare, episode 25 is up now, covering the July 1st edition of Monday Night Raw and WCW Monday Nitro. It's the go-home show to the Bash at the Beach pay-per-view. Harlem Heat versus the Steiners. Disco balls used as weapons. Air Halliburton from Steve McMichael and so much more. Then over on Raw, the WWF make their attempt at a lesbian storyline with Marlena and Sable. Plus, Sonny gonna get slopped. The Rockers will explode. Again, as Shawn Michaels takes on Marty Jannetty. Plus, I'll talk about Ultimate Warrior drama and so much more as part of the latest episode of Monday Warfare. The Battles Within. Also, be sure to check out our regional wrestling podcast where we talk the territories. Been covering 1986 in the Mid-South Wrestling Territory 
with guest co-host Roman Gomez. Also, we've started up Georgia Championship Wrestling for 1981 with guest co-host Jamie Ward. All of that and more is part of the Regional Wrestling Podcast. And of course, as always, I'll be back here next week on the Wrestling Memory Grenade as well as we continue on with June 1987 and the World Wrestling Federation. So until then, this is Ray Russell saying from pillar to post and coast to coast, you pull the pin and we'll pick up the pieces right here on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. I'll see you next week. Don't miss it. Be there! Coming back into the ring, I can't believe it! The new Intercontinental Champion, the Hokey Talk Man! Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, your beautiful audience. Thank you. I knew I could do it with your support. I knew you'd be happy 100%. And I did this just for you. This is your belt. It's not mine. It belongs to you people. Thank you very much. Now I know what you want. You want to see the Hunky Kong Man dance. So turn the music on and let me give it to you. I can't believe what we're saying. I can't believe it. The Hunky Kong Man the new Intercontinental Champion.